There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Gabby. How are we doing? I'm okay, Andy, and welcome all to part six now of, um, of Book Corner with Andy from My Football Books. Dot com. Andy, we always start with a little bit of yourself, a little bit about my football books, how you got yep. started, uh, your newsletter, your subscriptions, your bookmarks, etc. Mine is still in page 165 of Grandad <laughs> in the 70s before Fabulous. you ask. So, uh, so, yeah, briefly a little bit about yourself before we get into the books, because we've got loads and loads of books to work uh, to this month. There is, yeah. So my football books, yeah. Um, I've got my own dedicated website, so uh, myfootballbooks.com, uh, which I started just uh, what, about two years ago at the start of the pandemic. So I found myself a bit of time on my hands. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the conversation started with my wife about, well, I had a bit of time on my hands and reading lots of books and uh, an idea came to my mind about recommending books. And that's where the website kind of grew, a bit of legs had an idea about what I'd wanted to look on it. And I think it hopes it's whole of, uh, a bit of problems for some people. And I think myself sometimes struggle to find the right, you know, what books to, you know, recommended by people, what's new coming out, you know, what's uh, coming out soon, etc. So that was the idea to combine it all. So that's the website. And they use the social media, such as Twitter and Facebook, etc., to promote and um, yeah, the authors and the great books that's coming out. Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you for giving a mention of a newsletter that I started to do some months back on a monthly basis to share, yeah, uh, what's coming out over the month previous or what's coming out next month. And again, just recommended reads as well. So, uh, but there's a lots of great material out there, lots of great stories of a great sport, Gabby. So yeah, absolutely. And during lockdown, it was either. Building a bar in either at the bottom of your garden <laughs> yeah. or your house or somewhere, or building yeah. a website. You chose the website route, and I'm glad that you did because my football books is a great website. You do a fantastic job in promoting football books. Your newsletter is sublime. Everything about what you do is absolute quality, and Excellent. the Thank books you. out there are fantastic my bed at the moment is well there's a suitcase sam's got a suitcase packed she's not leaving me well she is but only for the spa <laughs> weekend and then all right. the, yeah all the um the hairdressing stuff like the uh the blow dryer and the uh you know the gel and all the rest and and of course the box of chocolates and and the bottle of wine and next to that is uh, happy birthday beaver Paul the Beaver Trevelyan, a story of top tags and self-belief. We covered this book last week, uh, sorry, last month. Uh, I've yeah. done a, uh, a lovely uh, podcast with Paul Trevelyan. It took me 37 minutes to get a word in. 
he is an absolute <laughs> genius. In fact, yeah. he stopped and said in mid-flow, Gary, how are you? How are you? Am, I, am I okay to cut up your port? You carry on. <laughs> absolute gold. And trust me, yeah. guys, this book is a work of art. Paul is yeah. one of the great sports illustrators of the modern time. The guy is an absolute legend, a genius. He can't yeah. read, he can't write. It's his 88th birthday today. I've wished wow. him well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, he has been going around for some time, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. the, the, the book, I, I can't speak it. Again, I haven't read it all, but I've dipped into it and I've had a look because I love <laughs> books like that. It, it's various yeah. chapters that talk about um, and I have to say, it's written by Neil Jeffries before people say, well, Gabby, how can he write a book if he can't read and write? <laughs> <laughs> it's told, yeah. it literally is told by Neil Jeffries. And when I right. say it's told, it's written in the way that Paul Trevelyan talks, because Paul talks at 100 miles per hour. And if you listen <laughs> to the podcast that I've done, you'll find out why. And it's the most inspirational podcast I've ever done. I am Brilliant. just listening to Paul and just going, wow, wow. Yeah, wow, he's wow. amazing, isn't he? He's phenomenal. So his pictures, his images, he's got a natural gift in it, and I think you recognise, you probably didn't realise it with Paul Trevelyan, do you? Pen and yeah, but some of his, uh, yeah, pen, it's incredible, pen isn't it? Pen he draws in pen and yeah. His dad told him, Paul, you don't make mistakes, you don't need a rubber. He threw the rubber in the fire, you don't need a rubber. And <laughs> well, he brought... just incredible, so he draws in pen and ink. You don't yeah, make mistakes. Yeah, incredible, isn't it? Fantastic. And the story about Don Reavy, 1972, mm. Tottenham versus Leeds United in the FA Cup. That was the first time that Leeds United wore the sock tags. A yep. phenomenal story he tells when he goes into the dressing room and mm -hmm. Don says, we're not using them today. Why? Make us look a bit silly. We're not going to mm. use them. So the rest, I'm going to leave it for 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 our listeners oh, yeah. to look at the podcast, um, which is on our social medias. Uh, yeah. A chapter of my life one, I believe Excellent. it is book corner, or on uh, on Facebook, or just go onto SRB Media, which is the the trunk to our branches. I look forward to reading that yeah. a great great story the way that Paul tells it and it involves one of the greatest goal scorers of, of our generation well not our generation but football from the yeah. day that we started playing yeah oh excellent excellent they've got some stories to tell I'm sure so uh, I follow him on Twitter as well I shared about uh, the B verse his book coming out and he did actually contact me and drop me a direct message on Twitter. Yeah. So as well just to say thank you, which is uh, just to show the quality of the man as well really. So um but um no, brilliant, brilliant. Look forward to reading that one. And in the Definitely. current in the current view, uh you always recommend <laughs> a book. And yep. this last three weeks because we've we like to do it early in the month, but I think last month yeah. it was a little bit later in the month. Yes. But I was struck down with COVID for yes, a few you weeks. Were. <laughs> yeah, somebody <laughs> was ill. Well, a couple of, well, a week or so, yeah. I've just had a few days bad, and then uh, 
I come through it. So, Absolutely. Uh, so, so there's three that you've sent yep. us uh, from the last time we recorded a book corner. Uh, the 50th football, the most influential uh, players by John Driscoll. You yeah. also sent us uh, this week football's black pioneers by Bill Hearn and David Gleave. And I have done a podcast with Bill Hearn. What a lovely fella. What a fantastic mm. book. Mm. And you always send me the On This Day, which it was uh, this month, On This Day, which was the 8th of March, 1956. Uh, Laurie Cunningham was yeah. born. And then you also sent us the the King, my autobiography, uh, Dennis Law with Bob Harris. Brilliant, yeah, excellent. Great stories, interesting. I did one of them. That's a great listen as well. I remember listening to one you did with um, Bill Hearn uh, about football, football's black pianos. And um, yeah, brilliant book. Great stories as well, isn't it? And that yeah. book. So, uh, yeah, the, including Laurie McCurrigan, obviously one of the famous three degrees. Absolutely. Uh, at West Bromwich Albion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it goes through the whole of the book here. Uh, looking at all the first black players to play for the respective yeah. football clubs, and and it really, it really is a, a fantastic read. So yeah, uh, again, another well great. As well. Yeah, and I like I like the book. It's got a nice weight to the book. The pages are different, aren't they? They're almost like glossy pages in in that yeah. book. It's slightly different to to other books. And I'm sure everyone does the same as me. You go straight to your club. Uh, to see the, who was your first for your club. It's the way it's done as well, isn't it? It's done in obviously alphabetical order. Yeah. So obviously, uh, and yeah, you go straight to your first club, etc. Who was ours, etc. No, each and every one of them is fascinating. I love I love the story about Frankie Peterson of Millwall. Uh, mm. Tremendous mm. story and and one that um, Barry Barry Silkman tells because at the end of the podcast. Uh, the current view, I always go with the towels that Mavericks tell. And Frankie yeah. was, uh, Frankie is a, he's a pal of Barry Silkman. And he played for Chelmsford against Barnet. And again, go on to the socials and have a look at it because it's an absolute scream. And we've got one or two screams from Barry Silkman. Barry <laughs> tells a story like no other. And I do <laughs> believe Barry's doing a book as well. So watch, this, yeah, okay. watch this space. I did I, a couple of years back. I've done a, right. a podcast with, with Barry, and we've always kept in touch. He's a good lad. And he was saying um, that, that there's that there's a possibility that he, he might do a book. It's a fellow that oh, does, right. yeah, it's um pal of his at Sky, whose name escapes me. He's the fellow, the ginger-headed lad that does the northern stuff. And he said, he said, Barry, I'll, I'll come and stay with you for a couple of weeks. And he said, I wouldn't be able to remember all the stories in a couple of weeks. And sometimes people say, nah, 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 no, but with Barry Silman, it's absolutely true. I've done a couple of podcasts and the stories that he's given me are just yeah. unbelievable. You're just curling over with laughter the way that Barry tells them. Excellent. I remember that, that the Frank Peterson, not the one you picked out there, who's... Uh, Go, but he was loved his uh, nights out drinking and smoking, didn't he? I remember reading that. So, oh, uh, abso- absolutely. I mean, yeah. Barry, Barry said on that podcast, with um, they were playing playing against him, and um, well, I'll let the listeners listen mm. to Barry. Yeah, but it, yeah. it it's a story that does involve a heavy night out <laughs> before he took the pitch for Chelmsford. It's an absolute right. classic. And the Barnet manager at the time, when he asked Silky to 
sort out Frankie <laughs> Peterson to play that story. It's just a story that should be told right. and never be forgotten because it is classic. You wouldn't get yeah. it today in the modern game. Yeah, that's where things have changed, haven't they? Yeah, I think yeah, obviously, should, well, yeah. players, they've had to change as well, haven't they? They've become celebrities beyond kind of all kind of recognition. They can't really have that kind of normal life sadly anymore, can they? So, uh, which is a shame, isn't it? Um, I think, you know, know if, if we had players like Frankie Peterson, like Barry Siltman, like yeah. Alan Hudson, like Tony Curry, um, and, and Frank Worthington, Stan Bowles, I think they'd still be yeah. the same today. Yeah, I think football yeah. would be the better for it. I think it's only yeah. the fact that, you know, we're almost living in a nanny state where somebody yeah. will get a mobile phone and say, oh, look at this football player. Well, instead of society saying, mate, oh, yeah. your photo where the sun don't shine because we ain't yeah. that bothered and don't buy the papers, etc. You know, it, it is a different time that we live in. But I think that we need to, or some of us, some people, need to grow a pair and realise that they're football players and they do things out of the ordinary off the pitch because you know what? That's what they've done on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. And they make mistakes because we're all human beings, don't we? So uh, that's why they have to be very careful, even when they're on the likes of Twitter. But whatever they, even myself, actually, I'm, you know, sharing things on my football books. You have to be a little bit careful about what you say, just be very careful because people do jump on you, uh, potentially. So you have to, because a lot of these footballers, especially the Premier League ones, I don't think they even put some of the stuff on there, do they? They have uh, their own marketing PR companies. Yeah. actually share their yeah. tweets. It's yeah, all a bit sad, isn't it? Yeah, of course. But, um, yeah. You can't expect well, a footballer to be on Facebook or Twitter 24-7. Yeah. They've got a career yeah. and they've got to hone their <laughs> skills. So they would yeah. employ people to do that. But I think it's a sad state that we're in at the moment where people yeah. are frightened to tweet and post things. I've yeah. always spoke my mind and, and posted my mind, etc. I've got myself into hot water with certain football supporters. Um, but that's just P- the way have opinions, though, don't they? Roy Keane, he's saying you love it or hate him. Mm. Um, he's got an opinion, hasn't he? So uh, and that's why people like it. Simon Jordan, I think, on TalkSport. You know, he's got a guys, they've got opinions. Whether you agree or not, it's an opinion, isn't it? And it's, it's always interesting to hear. I might not necessarily agree. Uh, but uh, it's nice to hear someone talk with enthusiasm as well instead of, you know, the old cliches that come out. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's my, that's my podium bit. No, I think you're absolutely right. No, I think you're <laughs> right, and I like the ranting because, mm. you know, they go to these media training schools and, yeah. you know, you'll listen to a, a footballer or a, a manager after the game and it's the same old, same old. And you're thinking, yeah. oh, just like forget the script, just tell us really what you think. And I Absolutely. think it's healthy when people are honest, when they're up front, when they're, you know, you, you've not got to be offensive. There's no need to be offensive. Just express Definitely. your opinion and, and, and you're entitled to it. That's what social media is all about. And do you know what? Yeah. It's actually called social media, not anti-social yeah. media. So be and kind and post what you like. And I'd link that to books. I'll link it to the books, the autobiographies. The best autobiographies I read are the ones where they are, uh, you're not holding back, they're telling the truth. And it is, it, you know, it's black and white, et cetera. And they've, you know, tell the, t- the stories, the good, the bad, and just tell them as it is. The ones that 
some books, uh, Audubon's, you've read it and you can tell they've taken bits out, they're very careful about who they say about this and that and etc. It just waters it down so much, it's just, you re- you could read it and pretty much know what you're going to, what's happening sort of thing. So uh, I'll link that to books as well. The Tell yeah. a True Story is, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. People engage with it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done a number of uh, Legends mm. of the 70s podcasts. Mm. I've done 19. In fact, number 20 is... Well, we're working on number 20 at the moment. I'm just waiting for the green light. I've got an amber. Uh, he's going to okay. do it. And it's uh, Johnny Giles, and we were talk- you were just talking about oh, biographies. Uh, a Football Man, the autobiography of John Giles. What a football player Johnny Giles yeah. was. Um, yeah, absolutely. With Declan Lynch, Hodder and Doughton. Yeah. Hodder and Doughton uh, published been, it. But I'm looking forward been, to talking to Johnny. What a legend of the game. It's been out for a few years, hasn't it? So I bet there's yeah, lots yeah. of anecdotes and stories, etc. I don't yeah. think I've read that one. But yeah, so no, excellent. That'll be a great listen. And another podcast. Uh, which will be the 21st, is uh, with Steve Perryman. And Steve has got oh, a wonderful brilliant. book out, A Spur yeah. Forever, My Lily White and Blue Life with Adam Powley. And Steve's got his latest podcast out uh, now. It, it dropped today. And it was all yeah. about Steve starting out as a 15-year-old uh, going to Tottenham Hotspur. And it's a great yeah. listen. Steve is a great storyteller. And in his book... A Spur Forever, forward by Glenn Hoddle. Um, there's some right. wonderful stories in there about Steve's career. Over 900 games. Excellent. Well, he learned from the great um, Bill Nickerson, didn't he? So, uh, yeah. Uh, and some great characters he would have played alongside, worked alongside Ozzy Ardiles. Obviously springs to mind. Yeah, good mate. Uh, managed with, uh, with Ozzy out there in Japan. A great yeah, time for him. Excellent. Right, he won a few... Two European Cups, and uh, the UEFA Cups, I mean, wasn't it? Two FA Cups, uh, yeah. a couple of League Cups as well. I'm trying to, there's a few, isn't there, when Steve Perriman was playing? Yeah, Steve, he, he certainly played yeah. in the first um, all-British final of the UEFA Cup, yeah. which uh, yeah. leads me nicely to Kenny Hibbett's Seasons of My Life with Tim Nash, forward by John Richards. And I was with Kenny uh, last week. They were uh, after dinner uh, speaking <laughs> at the bar in Wollaston that I attend. And what a tremendous uh, fella Kenny is, uh, Kenny yeah. is rather. Uh, what a wonderful book, uh, Seasons of My Life. And it looks at yeah. Kenny's fantastic career. Uh, really, really well-written book with Tim Nash. And uh, certainly one for people to buy, probably on eBay, because he's sold every book now. I do, really. Mm. It's not available on Amazon either. No, it's so certain... Public. Certain players have a certain amount on there, and then when they're yeah. sold, they're sold. So, um, you yeah. know, you probably won't unless somebody is releasing it uh, on eBay, wants to sell it on eBay as a sold book. But yeah. it really is worth. And the picture of Kenny, it was Kenny's wife that picked that picture. A fantastic picture of Kenny, an absolute warrior in the famous gold and black. Brilliant, excellent. Well, what a what a great he was. Sixteen years, I think mean, he was a good yeah, he time. Was. He was at Molyneux, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, some great stories in there, I'm sure. I've been fortunate to do three podcasts with uh, with Ken about Brilliant. his career as as a whole, um, his time in Seattle Sounders, 
and we yeah. I've done one with uh, with with Al as well, uh, with Kenny about because uh, Alan was Kenny's captain when he was at Seattle Sounders, and also oh. a game of my life when he scored that wonderful goal with Willie Carr and the free kick that promoted Nottingham Forest in a yeah. game of my life. So yeah, what a fantastic fella. Uh, great stories, great book, and uh, done some lovely podcasts with Kenny. So, a uh, little bit more about you. What um, your website, your newsletter? What have you got for us this this okay. uh, this month? What what yeah. should we be buying? And on the back of that, <laughs> we're going to go into our author of the month, uh, Gary Thacker. Great, excellent. Well, um, in my, um, I'll go through. I always recommend free books, yep. uh, not particularly new ones, but free that uh, um, stick out for me that I'd recommend. The first one I'll mention is uh, Arthur. It's uh, Arthur Kinnard. He's the first Lord of Football, written yep. by uh, Andy Mitchell. So, um, if you're not familiar with the name, Arthur Kinnard, uh, he won. Uh, in his time, and I'll read it from the back here because it's incredible, really. He won five uh, FA Cups. He actually played in nine FA Cup finals, would you believe, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, but he had to organise. Um, he was one of the pioneers, really, of football. Uh, he had to organise the Wanderers. He did, yeah. yeah. That's it, yeah. Mm. That's it. it uh, famously, they, they played against um, the old uh, Etonians um, and the Royal Engineers, etc. But he was... Uh, yeah, he was a pioneer of the early game, won the FA Cup of the Wanderers, and he played until he was 50, would you believe, as well. So almost Stanley Matthew-esque, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but he did more than uh, pretty much anyone to popular soccer, uh, football at that time, really. Uh, and he was a dominant figure. Uh, he presented, it was presented with the FA Cup in gratitude. Um, but despite, he had, a, he had a privileged background, uh, and his title, of course, etc. But he was very... Um, one of these, he fought social injustice, spent nights of teaching you know, slum kids to read and write. It's an extraordinary life, really, and just an incredible um, yeah, career, um, life that he led. So uh, I think I've mentioned it on one of the podcasts before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go on Netflix, there's, um, there's a series called The English Game, yeah. uh, which is really good, really good. It mixes historical facts mm. uh, with a little bit of fiction, but not, not too much. Overall, it gets the story of Arthur just about right about what happened, etc. So, uh, and he excelled in loads of other sports as well. He's one of these, like, um, God, he could put his hand to anything. It'd be quite frustrating, I can imagine, against because he's brewing at tennis, rowing and swimming and all kinds of things. But he was a proper football star at those times. He could attract crowds of up to 100,000. Uh, but, yeah, great book, Arthur Kinnard. And just um, these kind of the guys that really did put football on the map, really. You know, and, um, yeah put it in, in front of the masses, let's say, um, from relatively small crowds. When they, I think the first ethical final was fully, I think it was witnessed by about 3,000 people, which is, um, which is crazy when you think about it now. But yeah, that's Arthur Kinnard, um, the first Lord of Football. There's, uh, the next... Can I just interrupt you there? Yeah. There's a book, isn't there, by Ian Chester, uh, Charles Alcock yeah. and the Little Tin Idol. And that's good a book shout. about the first FA Cup final, isn't it? So, it is, yeah. So, good shout there for Ian. Ian uh, what what I did last, um, probably last week now, is I went on to Book Corner on our Twitter uh, feed, yeah. which is Chapter of My Life 1, <laughs> uh, Book Corner, and asked various authors to promote your book. Mm. You, yeah. you shout out the books, and we will 
shout them out on the podcast. So I have got a number of books that I am going to shout out a little bit later with all yeah. of the authors that engaged with us on Book Corner uh, this month. So I don't know if that's one Charles Icock has a good link there because, yeah, Charles Icock, A Little Tin Idol, Story of the Birth of Football yeah. in the First FA Cup, yeah, by Ian Chester. So uh, but Charles Icock, um he played, he played against uh, the likes of Arthur Kinnan in back in those days, kind of thing. So Charles Alcock, English, Arthur Kinnan, Scottish, etc. And uh, yeah, they're both instrumental in terms of football, uh, both for, yeah in Britain basically. So uh, no, that looks a great book and obviously great time, and it being the, the 150th uh, anniversary, obviously of the FA Cup. So yeah, looks a really good read. But isn't That's it fantastic that you know 150 mm. years ago, and we've got Amazing. books that we can reference and we can read yeah. and they're telling the stories about football back in the day. That's why I yeah. love doing the podcasts. Um, Amazing, you know, I love, doing, I love doing the podcast, Book Corner with you. As you know, I don't read many football books. I buy lots of football books. I don't read them. I don't have the time. Because I'm always doing podcasts about football yeah. and getting the experiences of the people that have written books or played the game and there's just so many fantastic stories about football and uh, I would one day like to keep my house out or certainly one of the rooms and just have books full of everything oh, about yeah. football. Oh, there's not... All different clubs, yeah. all different things and historic content of that of football. There's nothing better than seeing a guy. I did actually share on Twitter. I think I did some a few weeks back. I said, hey, it's World Book Day, actually. That's why it, co- yeah. it comes to mind. I said, share yeah. your book pictures of your yeah. uh, your bookshelves, etc. And some of them are brilliant. I think David Tossel, I think it was David Tossel who shared it. It's like amazing. You know, great, loads great of books. Book in the end. Like, it's, yeah. it's almost like a library, isn't it, David? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. So uh, that's he, what that's he's what got I got a to. He's got a great book coming out soon as well. Dono. Yes, yeah, yeah, he has, yeah, yeah, excellent. He's obviously a prolific writer, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's certainly one to look forward to. Um, but no, good link on that. And the, the, now, I'll come back uh, to another one I recommend um, that was uh, on the newsletter, and linked to that, uh, what we talk about, it's 50 of the most important moments. It's by the, um, yeah. the writers of the Football History Boys blog, Ben Jones and Gareth Thomas. So it's been out a couple of years. Yeah, out for the great guys at Pitch Pub. Have you? Excellent. Yeah, yeah come out with the guys at Pitch Publishing. It's really good. Starts in the the Victorian England from 1857 to the introduction, yeah, from modern football right, you know, through 160 years. So uh, it spans uh, everything. It's really good. Um, picks out some really good ones in there. I picked out three in particular. One of them being it talks about the first FA Cup. In 1871-72, so as you said, Wanderers beat Royal Engineers 1-0 in that game. Um, another one's uh, like the Miracle Burn. Uh, you'll obviously know that one. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We still don't know what the Germans injected themselves with at half-time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2-0 down, weren't they? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's still, uh, it's still talked about even now, isn't it? So, uh, obviously, absolutely. Burn was the the venue of that uh, that final back in 1954 between the West Germany uh, and England. It was very much a case, that that game, because it, um, it was effectively the world's greatest team, the Hungarians against the world's yeah. enemies, East against West, mm-hmm. capitalism against communism, etc. Had it all, didn't it? But yeah, uh, yeah, how yeah. Germany won it in the end was, uh, well, it was the miracle of Bern, wasn't it? Well, that's uh, one of the, um, the top 50 moments, and one of them mentioned the last one in the book, 
is uh, VAR. So it's just, I think it's just I've included that because it probably is, you know, uh, modern, let's say, uh, how it has changed the game, undoubtedly, yeah, one way or another. I'm, I'm not a fan. You'll never get to hear me say I'm a fan, to be frank. I'm glad I watch football outside of the Premier League quite often and I can enjoy it without having to think, can I celebrate? Can I not celebrate? You know, mm. that's, that for me... I know, I know, I agree with the certain things, you know, where there's no ambiguity, certainly goal line technology, but sometimes when there's opinions, you could look about seven different angles, you're still not sure, Clear. are you? And it, it's Clear. Still like, yeah. and obvious. Yeah. And yeah. if it isn't clear and obvious, VAR doesn't get involved. For me, yeah. there's nothing wrong with VAR. It's the idiots that are using it, and oh, that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. That, yeah, that we have yeah. the technology, but we're not clever enough to use the technology correctly. And the referees, yeah. I think, are the worst referees I've ever seen in the game of football. And I think mm. because of VAR has um, <clears throat> come into our game, referees are yeah. falling back like a trapeze artist and they've got the safety net. They've got the safety yeah. net of VAR and they're going, oh, well, VAR, I'll pick it up. No, you pick it up. If you miss something obvious, then VAR will say, John, hey, you've missed this. Have a look at it. What, then... what I would say in their defence, though, is that I think players know that as well, though, don't they? Because they proper get on to them. You know, they play yeah, up yeah, to yeah, it as sure, well. You've got sure. to, you but, have definitely got to have a strong referee. But players uh, which have always done not. that. Players yeah, have yeah, always true. done it. You know, yeah, referees yeah. have always refereed. Players have always yeah. played. The refs have given decisions. Players ain't liked it. They got onto the referee, and nothing <laughs> ever changes really. No, but you no, know, absolutely. some of the decisions, the amount of times I watch a game and I think, "How oh, the hell's a referee not seen that?" And I think yeah. that they, they're almost looking at VAR as that backup. Whereas years yeah. ago, you have no backup. You've got to say what you see and bang, right, I think it's a penalty, bang, penalty. And then the linesman, yeah. the flag will go up. <laughs> they think it's offside. So you carry on. You mm. score a goal. You roll it back. You go, no, it was onside. It's a goal. It should be there to rule goals in, not to rule goals out. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And that's what, annoys, that's what annoys me. Clear yeah. and obvious. So well, I hope that doesn't put you off that book. That's the last one he just mentioned here. But I think yeah. this book is one of his really good references. You've got it as well, then. But it's 50. It just goes through the whole, you know, how football's developed, you know, from those early days to the modern games. So, um, and the last one I'll mention, is, as recommended, the free recommended on my newsletter, is a book um, by David Goldblatt, um, who's a prolific um, writer. And it's on Football Nation. <clears throat> which is a football in the history of Brazil. Uh, and, uh, yeah, really fascinating. Uh, it's quite similar. There's another book um, by a gentleman called Alex Bellos, um, Football, which is a Brazilian way of life. But great book. Uh, not just purely about football, but I, I find it. So it might, for some people, if they just want to read about football, it's not quite the book for them. Yeah. But what this does really does show you how linked, how important football is in Brazil. I don't know we say it, certainly here in England, mm. but... My word in Brazil, it's it literally is it's religion. Yeah, it's religion. Yeah, mm. that's the best word for you. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Gabby. But no nation's got yeah, itself aligned close so close to the football than uh, Brazil have for 
you know, over the centuries, etc. You know, the way they come together when they win the World Cups, you know, as they have done, uh, but when they lose, it's well, catastrophic, isn't it? So, uh, um, even so recent, you remember when they lost, obviously, in the um, American R uh, home to sorry, the American R against Germany, wasn't it? Was it seven one? Yeah, semi final, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, that's it. But it's a great read. Uh, and it, you learn a lot about Brazil, and it's uh, it's covered its political, social, and economic, uh, how it links in, and also a lot of the likes of Pele, how he was um, encouraged to help out with politics, etc. Is happening in the country, which is incredible, really. You know the the link between football uh, and everyday life. But a really, really good book. David Goldblatt, he's a cracking uh, writer. He's under a couple of other books. Uh, the ball is round. It's one of those, just a, a, an outstanding book. Huge book. Uh, if you're going to start that one, Gabby, it'll probably take you, well, I don't know, for 20 years. It's a huge book. It's about 800 pages. It is a massive book. Yeah, it's huge. In fact, his uh, last book, <laughs> it's uh, his last book, The Age of Football, uh, which is like an updated version, 21st century. Of course, I've got it here, actually. I'm just going to flick. How many is in this one? Don't drop um, 650. 650 pages. Yeah, it's a big read, but it, it is really... If, if you're, I'd say The Age of Football, the one by David Colby, if you're an alien and you're landed on Earth and you want to know a bit about football in the modern day, that's the book. So, but yeah, be is dedicated, it, though. It will take you some time to read it. Isn't it phenomenal, so. though, these... Yeah. writers and authors it's amazing isn't it oh, they're just the way they're going it's like it's almost like 2020 cricket in a test match in it it's like yeah. nuts and bolts more <coughs> it's like proper full-on this is oh, do you know what i'd love to just not work and read football books all day long i'd love to be <laughs> able to do that but sadly my world isn't like that it doesn't lend itself to do that but i would love to be able to do that I did yeah, say on the podcast the talented people yeah before we go into um, the, the interview <coughs> with uh, with Gary who's our um, yeah. author of the month I did mention at the end of the podcast last <coughs> week I'd like to mention a couple of books about what the God Tony Waddington and there's ah, a fantastic yeah. book and again I've done a podcast with John talking about his book uh, Tony Waddington director of A Working Man's Ballet, that's the title, yeah. The Working Man's Ballet of Alan Hudson's autobiography, What the God Was Like a Second Father to Alan yeah. Hudson, and a fantastic book <laughs> by John Leonard. Also, Great John's author well. the book, uh, Flight to Bogota, uh, yeah. England's football rebel Neil Franklin, uh, a tremendous story, yeah, great story of one of football's all-time greats, Neil Franklin. Um, yeah. Lovely story in there about Big Ron. Oh, yeah, I passed Big Ron's number on, and he was telling uh, the story about how he dispossessed Neil Franklin when he played against him. <laughs> uh, um, we don't know whether it was true or not, but Ron tells a great story. And why? Why? Uh, <laughs> yeah. What? Why not let the story just uh, tell itself? Yeah. And uh, why? Yeah, why exactly. let the truth get into to uh, in the way of a great story? <laughs> and Ron can tell some fan- phenomenal stories. And the year we nearly won the league, Stoke City and the 74-75 season uh, by yeah. Jonathan Baker. Fantastic 
care. Lovely book there. Great picture. Just come out, yeah. Yeah, lovely picture of Tony Waddington. You know, through doing all my podcasts uh, with Alan and, mm. and being a friend of, <laughs> of Alan Hudson. I seem, you know, you really believe that that you don't yeah. know the person, Tony Waddington, but you get a great insight into the workings yeah. of Tony. And when I look at the front cover of this book, it just shows a genius. You know, Waddington's looking there on the left prof- profile side of, of, his, yeah. of his head. And he's, he's, yeah. if you could read that mind, you yeah. know, it's just a fantastic... The way that that picture is, ju- is just caught, totally. Good, isn't it? Yeah, I just yeah. think it's phenomenal. And uh, the pottery is there. Uh, and, and Alan Hudson jumping into Greenoff's uh, arms. I think that was when... Um, when he scored against Manchester City, almost right. certainly yeah. it's the Manchester City goal. Green off yeah. Hudson. I mean, what a double act they were. Well, he certainly Tony Waddle had an eye for talent, didn't he? He had a flair for oh. sensational signings, didn't he? Some well, he was the, a former Busby well, baby. Well, legends. Yeah, he was yeah. a former Busby baby. He was with uh, Man United and uh, Matt. And yeah. He had a great relationship with Matt and brought many an inside forward from uh, from Matt Busby. <laughs> he liked his inside forwards. The the potteries, yeah. the the fans there in Stoke, very knowledgeable, um, love yeah. their football, and Alan Hudson loved his time there at Stoke City, and that is a fantastic book about arguably Stoke City's greatest ever team and greatest mm. ever season, and I'll defy anybody to say that it wasn't because I think it was, and I have done yeah. a podcast with Udi talking about that season. We're talking about in a game of my life when. They played Liverpool on Easter Monday and Tony Waddington got the fire brigade in to water the pitch so Alan Hudson could play against Leeds United and Terry Conroy scored a break. So, yeah, I, I just, I love the team that Woody played for because, you know, when you're, you know, you do the podcast and your you mates and that, you look into it and you just, oh, it's just phenomenal. I- that's a great year podcast. It's brilliant because it brings it to life as well, does it? Exactly that. You can picture it, you can image it, can't you? Yeah, it's been like when you read a book. And, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. They were there. Yeah. Oddie were there. He was, you know, he, he was orchestrating. He's got great stuff. Yeah, great story. So, yeah, that, that's what I like to. I love to look at the books and I can read the books, but make the podcast with the people that yeah. created the headlines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cracking season that one, wasn't it? Yeah, seventy four, seventy five. Yeah. Yeah, one of one of the great mm. seasons because we've got the, um, you know, the story of the nineteen seventy one seventy two season as well. Mm. Phenomenal yeah. book. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That came out. Uh, it was back in the last year now, wasn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah it great. Was. Yeah, great book. And again, great cover. And again, from Pitch Publishing. So uh, yeah. they uh, they they produce some quality books. I love all the the front covers. I think you you, know, you could put you get like the the cover of the uh, well Tony Wanderton on it. I mean, if you get it looks appealing, doesn't it? And I I do get where you. I know we joke about reading books, etc. But I know what you mean some books. Just nice to look at, isn't it? It's nice yeah, to hold, yeah. isn't it? I'm looking at Yeah, I just I, I love the way that Pitch. <laughs> you know, produce the book as well. Because yeah. they, you know, when you look at some other uh, books, you know, yeah. it, it's just, 
the size of the book, the way that it's like the binding yeah. of the book. I just think yeah. a book is a work of art. It's almost like vinyl. Vinyl's a work of art, you know. Yeah. And, and I do, yeah. I do like to to buy them and um, and say Dan Abrams that done that wonderful book, seventy one, seventy two season. That was a tremendous season. That was also a tremendous season. Most seasons in the seventies was a fantastic tremendous season. decade. Yeah. And uh, brings up to nineteen. Well, not nineteen, but it was two thousand and eleven, two thousand and twelve season. Um, I caught up with Gary Thacker, uh, who is the author of the month uh, this month, and he was talking about his new book, Out of the Blue, when Chelsea won the FA Cup that year. They won the Champions League that year. But it uh, started off talking about his career and um, what he does with these football times. Welcome to uh, welcome to Book Corner. It's a catch up with uh, one of my favourite authors, podcasters, journalists, and writers, Mr. Gary Thacker. Guys, we've got you on here today to talk about your uh, fantastic new book, Out of the Blue. But for people that don't realise and know who Gary Thacker is, and I can't believe that there's anybody on Book Corner that doesn't, let's just have a little bit of uh, your background first, please. Yeah, sure, mate. Okay, so um, I come from Boston, not very far away from your good self, um, Paul, originally, uh, now living in Spain. Um, I, uh, um, the book I'm going to talk about today will be my sixth book, um, including a couple of novels in there as well. Um, I, I'll work a lot with these football times and the senior management team there, uh, worked on a podcast with them. And I also write um, a weekly column over here in Spain for an English language newspaper about uh, about La Liga. Fantastic. Let's just uh, harp on to fo- these football times because I think you guys are fantastic. You've wrote so many books collectively. Who are the the guys in these football times? I know Stu's got a new book coming out uh, about the 1982 Espania 82. There's Stephen Scrag. Uh, that's wrote the trilogy, and we're going to be talking about the Champions League. But when Stephen wrote it, it's the European Cup. And uh, who's the other? Who's the other players? Well, there are several. Basically, the team, the uh, the whole collective is about fifty or sixty people. Right. Um, in the in the senior leadership team, there's uh, myself, Stu, and Stevie, as you mentioned. There's uh, Aidan Williamson, uh, Chris Weir, um, uh, Josh Butler. And Will Sharp and Paul McParlin. Uh, so this is the seven writers in the main in the senior leadership team. But as I say, the whole the whole these football time sort of uh, group is is forty fifty people. Fantastic, and you do some splendid work. Produce some great podcasts and uh, loving the uh, the South American stuff at the moment as well. But you did touch upon you've got a couple of novels out there. Uh, the first one. Was um, was there any naming after a protest song by Joe South? Because it's the games people play. I, do you know? No, yeah, sometimes no, I, I don't even know the song, mate. It's, it's, right. a, it's a title. It's a that just came to me actually. I was writing the book, and because it, it's all about um, people, sort of. Uh, I, I only used the phrase that people are being uh, players sometimes, and sometimes you're being played, and sometimes you don't know the difference between the two yeah. until you find out later. So um, it just came to mind that the the, the title. So uh, no, I say I'm not familiar with the song, Paul. To be honest with you. And the a whole new ball game is part two. How's Sophia? And is there going to be a trilogy? Because you guys like trilogies, don't you? <laughs> I certainly do. You know, I did a podcast with the guys actually about the book a few uh, 
a few weeks ago, and they were asking me the same question. Yeah. I'd always got the idea of doing a sequel to the book because I've got the sort of continuation of the story in my head, but um, obviously other matters sort of taken over. So I've got the, the, the Chelsea book coming out, which we're going to talk about later, and I'm also currently working now on a book about um, the great Ajax teams of the early 70s that won the European Cup three times in the bounce, which is due out in uh, May 2023. So I think I might have a look at it then. It's um, got so many sort of little subplots going on in the background in my mind as to how I could develop it. So, yeah, it's quite possible, mate, quite possible. And that was the dynamics between fiction and fact, because you've also wrote a fact book, Cheers, Tears and Jeers, the history of England's World Cup which hasn't been pretty, well, it hasn't been very good since 66. And, I mean, there's an argument the only one it really in 66 because it was at home. It's true. That's a good point, mate. It's probably true as well, mate, because uh, I don't think they're going to win his away from home in South America either before or after that. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's, I actually wrote um, the first novel while I was also finishing off the, uh, the my book about the Dutch um, teams, uh, the Orange 74 and 78 World Cup, fashion, the Croy Crawl. Um, era and it was difficult. So I was sort of finishing one off. It was an awful lot of about two or three months. And uh, I mean, people said to me, "Well, how do you do it? Well, it's, it's sort of you couldn't. I couldn't write two novels at the same time. Yeah. But when you when you're sort of doing a novel, a factual book, it's sort of easy to sort of immerse yourself in one world because it's entirely separate. It's like it's like reading a book and cooking at the same time. Yeah. You couldn't read two books at the same time, but they're, t- they're totally different genres, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking at the uh, wonderful book, uh, Beautiful Bridesmaids, dressed in orange, an orange spell in the Dutch way, the proper way, the unfulfilled glory of Dutch football. And Johan Cruyff is looking through the lens at me. It's a fantastic picture that is of Johan. And uh, Johan Nijskin's on the back, of course. What a team. And what a team Chelsea were. Um, We go back many years to Chelsea. You were born, I believe, in 1956. The year that Michael in Birmingham City got to the FA Cup final and got done by Don Revy and the Revy plan. Although many yes. recent football, not our legacy fans, but the uh, the Johnny Come Latelys think that Pep Guardiola invented the deep line centre forward, but it was uh, certainly at the year of your birth. Yeah, it was. I mean, Hidi Guti is the uh, the Hungarians in the early 1950s. I mean, obviously, 53 Gabriel Wembley. Yeah. He played as a deep line centre yeah, centre yeah. forward. So people who were thinking, you know, Messi was the originator of the uh, false nine under Guardiola, as you say, Paul. They uh, there they are the Johnny Come Lightnings, mate. There's, 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 there's not often anything new in football. It's just recycled ideas and presented in a different way. Absolutely, and uh, and probably played in that position because Laszlo Kubala uh, didn't he'd already defected to the West, hadn't he? What a group of players they were, the Hungarians. Yeah. Amazing team. I mean, talk about you know one of the best teams not to win the World Cup. I mean, you look at the Hungarians in 50-54, and then you got uh, the Dutch in '74, uh, Brazil in '82. I mean, some great teams not won the World Cup. And there's a wonderful book that captures all that by one of your uh, friends in these football times, Aidan, isn't it? Yeah, I have, to be honest with you, we, we, we've got a, um, a pod due in not too distant future to talk about. So I haven't actually seen the book yet, but knowing yeah. the way Aidan uh, works and his, his sort of dedication to detailed research, it, it's going to be an absolute bomb burner for sure. Absolutely. In 56, so in 66, you were, you were 10, so you really had a good insight into England winning the World Cup. A few years after, uh, Chelsea, your team, won their first FA Cup in 19. 19- 
70, went on to win yeah. their first trophy in Europe in 1971. I've got so many stories of those times, the kings of the King's Road. And I'm guessing that's why you fell in love with uh, with Chelsea Football Club, because they were such a fantastic group of players. Well, that's certainly well. I mean, my, my sort of um, love affair with Chelsea goes back earlier than that. I mean, yeah. I, I remember, I remember sporting Chelsea when Jimmy Greaves got sold. I, I could never, I mean, I, I was only three or four at the time. And my yeah. dad telling me that Jimmy Greaves was going to play with Chelsea. But I, I couldn't understand why. Mm. Uh, what, why would it something not, I mean, you know, in my sort of naive, very early childhood. But I, I mean, you know, coming from Warsaw, uh, you know, nowhere near Chelsea. Um, I don't know why I'm a Chelsea fan, but, you know, I, I'm... Where am I now? I'm 65, now 66, not too distant future. So I must have been, I've been in Chelsea for over 60 years. So you, know, you see these people sometimes saying, oh, you know, you're only, you're only Chelsea fans since Abramovich turned up and you started winning things. Oh, oh, that ain't true. Because, you know, I remember, you know, where were you when you were shit? I was at Port Chelsea when we were shit a number of times. Absolutely. Um, but, they, but but you wasn't back in them days. And, and just after that, you had the uh, the catches if you can to with Terry, uh, Terry Venables and George Graham. And then sadly, a few yeah. of them uh, had a problem in Blackpool and Tommy got rid of them. And then Huddy and, and the boys, the new group, come through to Chelsea. And Chelsea, the kings of the King's Road, were also the kings of the King's Road in 2011-2012. When did you decide to write the story? Because it is an unbelievable story of of how Chelsea did become champions of Europe, and it really was against all odds, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, you know, it's one of these stories that, you know, if, if I if I wrote a novel about it, the publisher would kick my backside and say, "Don't be ridiculous, because nobody's going to believe anything like that." Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've got this in my mind to write the Chelsea story or the the um, beautiful bridesmaids. Uh, story first, but after for the Dutch one, going to go wider appeal. Um, but once I've got that, once I've got that sort of agreed by the publishers and working my way through, they were keen to get for me to follow up with the Chelsea one. So I suppose it's been sort of, um, you know, it's been five years in the thinking, but sort of two years in the development. But it's, you know, it, it is, it's a crazy story. Um, Paul, I've talked to, to people so many times about this, and, you know, the season where, you know, the team were sort of having the worst season they had for a decade. You know, ridiculous in the, in the in the Champions League. Look what they're going knocked out in the group stages. Then they played Benfica. And what a way Benfica! Where Benfica had lost a European game at home for about three years, and then they chucked it away in the home leg. And then the famous um, the the um, Napoli game, of course, when first Boas wrote the longest resignation letter in the history of mankind by picking the team he picked. You know, three one down, almost four one down, Colin played off the line. Amazingly turned that around. And then the ridiculous games against Barcelona. I mean, just absolutely crazy. And then to cap it all, to go and play Bayern Munich in, in their own stadium and get, get, get absolutely hammered. Another Barcelona hammer, hammering, in effect, for the entire length of the game and then to go win it on penalties. It's the most ridiculous story in the... I mean, when I spoke to people in the past, I, I call this the most ridiculous story in the history of the European Cup. And come, come up with something that beat it. Nobody can. I mean, they mentioned the Man United come back in, in 99 and Liverpool mm. winning after looking to go in, you know, being 3 0 down against. But that was one game. Yeah. This was 10 games. Yeah. Just absolutely crazy. And that ultimately. Gary is the difference. Yes, it was a great comeback by Liverpool. We didn't think that they would, at three 0 down against that fantastic AC Milan team, get back into the game, let alone win it. And Manchester United, yeah. if you actually come in on ninety minutes 
and saw the score at 1-0, you'd think, Rob, um, you know, they've actually lost the game of football. Yeah. But to score those two late goals was phenomenal. But Chelsea, it, it was that hit and miss. It was that Villas-Boas even gets the sack, doesn't he? Um, yeah. During the season, Roberto Di Matteo takes over and carries that button, wins the FA Cup. Uh, they oh, finish yeah. sixth in the Football League. They get quarterfinals of the uh, League Cup and win the Champions League. It really is absolutely crackers. And, uh, and, and I was just looking there that they beat Liverpool 2-1 in the final. And what a save, I have to say, by uh, Peter Cech oh. off Andy Carroll. I mean, what a goalkeeper he was. And he, he really played his part in the Champions League win as well, didn't he? Especially in the penalty oh. shootouts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, I just said Eric Mark for the story was, and I've even forgot to add in about the FA Cup, which you quite rightly put in mm. there, mate. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 it must be one of the greatest saves in the history of the FA Cup final, yeah. the one against uh, Andy Carroll. But yeah, I mean, not only the penalty shootout in the final, but he also denied Messi. Oh, uh, he didn't say the ball, Messi hit the, Messi hit the crossbar. But um, I've got a story in the book, and I've read about what Czech said, that uh, he was aware, because I think there's 10 games um, that Chelsea had played Barcelona when Messi had featured, and he'd never scored against Chelsea. Yeah. And in this penalty, obviously, because that sort of hammered Chelsea for so long, just after half-time, I think it's about 50, 55 minutes into the game, when he gets the penalty, which incidentally, um, Fabregas later said, that he died and Pogba hadn't touched him, but it was a big game. You know, what, what can you do? Well, you can't argue with that, because what player wouldn't have done that? Yeah. Um, but he was conscious of, uh, and he thinks Messi was too, and he said, uh, when he approached the ball, I decided I was not going to move. I just stood still. And in the end, because you see, Messi went up and to take the kick. He looks at Czech for a while before he looks down at the ball and takes the shot. Obviously, it's because Czech hadn't moved. He was going to just lift it over him, but obviously he crashed against the crossbar. So, you know, perhaps even aside from being a great goalkeeper. And then, he, of course, he had the penalty against uh, Robin in extra time yeah. in the uh, in the final as well. So, you know, uh, obviously, you know, he's he sort of mental attitude just did a, did us a favour as well as his goalkeeping talent. And that was another one that Drubber gave away. I mean, he was a liability, wasn't he, in Chelsea's <laughs> box? It was bloody good in the other box, but in Chelsea's yeah. box, typical yeah. central striker. But again, yeah. what a player as well, wasn't he, Didier Drogba? Oh, amazing. And yeah, as you say, real proper forward tackle when defending. I mean, come yeah. back in at the corners, otherwise keep out the way, guy. Just out the run of the pitch. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. Um, Player for us, and not only not only as a as a sort of player, but the things he did for charity in the in in, in Cote d'Ivoire, his own country, afterwards mm-hmm. building the hospitals and and stopping a civil war. I mean, even uh, outside of football, the, the stories about Drogba are, are sort of legend. And uh, you know, I think ever since he left, Chelsea have been looking for the next big guy, Drogba. They've signed so many players, so much money, and everyone sort of fell short. I mean. Chelsea, Chelsea buying strikers. It's just a, it's been a disaster ever since Chris Sutton. Yeah, I, you know it, it's one of these things. I mean, Alan Hudson, uh, who who I do a regular podcast with, Udi, you know, yeah, speaks so highly of, of of the King of Stamford Bridge, and, and oh, well, the, you know, there's there's not many Peter Osgoods. Unfortunately, Ramsey and Revy didn't see the beauty in, in Oz. But, uh, I mean, he went to Mexico, of course, and Bobby Moore said to uh, Alan Hudson, you know, your mate was terrific in Mexico. You know, some of the stories that you heard about Ozzy, he said it, it, nothing like that, Ali. He was, he was superb. Sadly, Alf didn't play him. 
And, yeah. you know, I think Ozzy had five England caps. But Drogba, yeah. I mean, again, one of the first foreign nationals over here to uh, to put their money to charity. I've not really heard yeah. of that before Drogba started it. No, it's true. But just, just a quick word about Ozzy. Ozzy is my all-time Chelsea legend yeah. favourite. I've got a picture of Ozzy on my, uh, on my sort of... Um, uh, uh, um, photos uh, shootings mm. with standing outside his statue yeah. outside Stamford Bridge and he just simply headed the king and I because he was the king he was he, uh, I'm always my favourite player in fact as we talk now I'm wearing a replica Chelsea FA Cup final 1970 shirt with nine on the back yeah, so, there you, so there you go but yes yeah, I mean he was he was um, he, he should have played when when we played Brazil, yeah. uh, we needed to go late on. Mm. Honestly, I think 19 at the time had just been the league's top scorer. Yep. You need a goal. So you've got Ozzy on the bench, you your turn to. Yeah. What's Astle? I, I mean, a decent striker, but, you know, yeah. Ozzy was a bit of top, top perishing goal scorer, but Rams didn't like him, as you say. And, you know, and, and, and Udi's right. Um, if he's the best player that Udi's played with, you know, then he must be some decent player. Um, but yeah, sorry, going back to Drogba. Um, yeah, he, he had started the trend and many others afterwards obviously did the same sort of thing. I, knew, I think uh, Sadio Mane at Liverpool does, does a lot of uh, yeah. similar work in Senegal. And a lot of players do, but he was probably the first to uh, sort of set that trend and, you know, more power to him for that, mate. And in the league, you know, the the, the leading scorer, there was, uh, there was two. Uh, Super Frank on 11. And Danny Sturridge, I didn't realise that. Danny Sturridge scored 11 goals for Chelsea that year. Frank was top yeah. scorer in all competitions. With 16, again, what a player Frank Frank Lampard was. But, you know, again, when he was a kid, and it was with Uncle Harry, took dogs abuse. Look at the puppy fat on him, he'll never make a footballer. But Frank Lampard got every drop of of ability out of his body, didn't he? He worked his backside off. And as a manager, you can see that with Frank as well. Well, that's exactly what I said to people about when they asked me about Lampard, you know. I think... As talent goes, he was far away from being the t- the best, the most talented midfield player. Yeah. But what he got was he grabbed every ounce of, of ability out of Christy Eppity Perrin. And he, I mean, the, the ridiculous stat is that, and I can't remember the, the exact figures, but he's either the fourth or fifth highest goal scorer in the history of the Premier League. Mm. And he didn't even a striker. He didn't even a striker, mate. I mean, he scored more goals than people such as Robbie Fowler. Uh, I mean, I think I think it's the Shearer, um, Rooney, Wright. I think I think Lampard scored more goals than Thierry Henry. I might yeah. be wrong, but ridiculous amount of goals for a, for a midfield player. I mean, he's Chelsea's top goal scorer. Uh, you know, he scored more goals than the you know, likes of Ozzy, Kerry Dixon, uh, Bobby Tamblyn. It's just it's just ridiculous, ridiculous amount of goals he scored. And and you know, not only not only did he score goals, but he was a workaholic midfield. And, you know, dogged about midfield and got back and defended as well. Amazing player. Absolutely. Villas Boas, um, you referenced him about the resignation letter. He also had a row with Ashley Cole. You could hear that at Stamford Bridge as well, couldn't you, apparently? Not the uh, not the floors below. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, apparently, I, I spoke to... Um, no names. A very, <laughs> no, 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 Patriot, a very, very famous Chelsea fan, um, a very uh, extremely wealthy Chelsea fan. Uh, it was at the same hotel in Naples um, where the club was staying before the game. And his his room was two or three below, mm. but directly below where um, Vespa was called Ashley Cole into the room to tell him he wasn't playing. And the the, the language apparently, was, you know, I mean, 
this guy talk about losing the dressing room. This guy lost the dressing room, and, and I mean, he posted to Timbuktu. It's just terrible, terrible situation. And in that game, bear in mind, this is a you know, this was a quarter final of the Champions League. He left on the bench Essien, yeah. Ashley Cole, Lampard, um, I can't remember, Mikel. And he said that uh, Ashley Cole wasn't fit to play because he'd had an injury against Everton a couple of games previously and he said he wasn't fit to play. And yet, because there was an injury to Basingwa, seven or eight minutes into the game, mm-hmm. Ashley Cole came up and played almost the entire game, which gives the light to the assertion that he wasn't fit to play. You see, what you do as a manager, you just say to Ashley, Ash, are you fit? Yes, Gaffer, are you playing? <laughs> it's, it's, it's as simple as that, isn't it? You don't tell Ashley Cole that you ain't fit when Ashley Cole knows he's fit and he can play there. Yeah. And dropping Super Frank as well. You you just look at some of the things that Villas Boas done at Chelsea was was quite incredible. And I think that sometimes, especially with a young manager coming from a foreign country, because he'd, he'd done okay, hadn't he? I think he went unbeaten, didn't he, when he he, he managed over in Portugal. But the English yeah. Premier League is very, very different to Port- the Portuguese League. And the the differential in ages between senior pros at Chelsea and Villas-Boas wasn't that great. And he seemed to try and distance himself instead of working with them players. Mourinho, when Mourinho came in at Chelsea, he'd done the polar opposite, didn't he? He recognised what talent Chelsea had got and worked with them. Absolutely. Well, well, first Bowers, when he was in Port, he'd won the league with Porto mm-hmm. without losing a single game and yeah. won the uh, Europa League or what it's called the Europa Cup in those days. Um, but yeah, I mean, he got this, when he came to Chelsea, he got this, the project, which was apparently, uh, it agreed with Abramovich or so the story goes, goes that uh, uh, he was going to sort of um, reduce the age uh, profile of the squad by getting rid of players such as Lampard, Drogba, Terry, mm-hmm. uh, Ashley Cole, uh, Peter Cech, Essien, and uh, break this sort of player power uh, room that's again. But instead of doing it in a way that you know, in a more sort of gentle, evolving way, he went mm-hmm. and you know stamped his foot in the puddle and created a lot of ripples, and then wonder why he got wet. Absolutely, but again, managers with experience go into situations and understand that. And I've always been of this opinion that a team's only as good as the senior pros, and it's the senior pros that run the dressing room, and the manager's job there for easy. Absolutely, but as you say about Mourinho, different different to approach entirely. And Mourinho, when he came into Chelsea, uh, when he got the Chelsea job, uh, Frank Lampard was at um, an England gathering, and he'd spoken to the FA about going to just want to go and say hello to Lampard. Introduces him, and I think Lampard had just come out of the showers, was getting sort of dressed after after a training session. And he said, you know, uh, you know, I'm Jose Marino, blah, blah. I'm going to make you the best midfield player in the world. Now, whether, they, whether he actually was going to do that or not, Lampard said, it might be feel 10 foot tall. This is a guy who believed in me. And that's, as you say, Paul, that's somebody who, who sort of goes in and uh, acts like, a, you know, some kind of despot and somebody else who understands the value of experienced players and knows that they're the guys that win your trophies. Absolutely, that's a that's a 100% true story as well with uh, Mourinho yep. and Frank Lampard. So I remember Alan Hudson telling me the same story. Uh, you know, good stuff. But again, Frank, that, that's what you do with, with players of Frank Lampard's ability. Uh, the FA Cup final, let's just briefly talk about the FA Cup final. And the book, is it about just the Champions League or the season as a whole? It's the season, Paul. Yeah, the FA Cup's covered as well. There are yeah. a whole uh, chapter covered to the FA Cup, yeah. 
That final against Liverpool, Chelsea, Liverpool again, history, haven't they? OK, people will say, oh, it's only modern history, but now they go back years as well in the day, oh, Shankly and stuff and what have you. So when you get an FA Cup final between uh, Chelsea and Liverpool, it is something special and, and it delivered, didn't it? Ramirez scored the first goal, Drogba scored the second. They were 2-0 two, two up against Chelsea and they're looking as though they were on easy street, wasn't they? They were indeed, mate. Yeah, and Chelsea had played Liverpool three times that season. The whole time away, in the, well, actually, they hadn't played them at that stage because I think the last game was towards the before the Champions League final. Mm. Um, but they played Liverpool three times that season and twice the year before, season before the league, and had lost every game. Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea, Liverpool had come to Chelsea and knocked them out of the League Cup at Stamford Bridge. So they hadn't got a decent record. But Drogba at Wembley, at the Wembley final, is like some kind of. I don't know, it's like some kind of god of the arena. Mm. Um, he's, I think he scored more Wembley final goals than any other player. I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, I might remember, he's scored a lot in in, in, uh, in, in major finals there, being League Cup or FA Cup. And um, yeah, I mean, and then we had uh, obviously the Carroll, uh, I think Carroll scored the first goal, I think, if memory serves me right. And then obviously the, the, the amazing Czech side. And, mm. and Carroll, I, I, I sort of did a little research on this afterwards. And uh, Gerard, you know, fair play to the guy. He said, "Well, you know, if that's what the the, uh, the referee says, I'm happy to go with his decision." I mean, you know, but but Carroll was obviously sort of celebrating. But if you look at the um, the replays, it doesn't look like it crossed the line. No, it doesn't. But it does like it does look like checks Paul off an impossible save and amazing amazing goalkeeper. Highest high and lowest low of the uh, of the season of the whole. I guess the lowest low was probably the game that ended up with um, that was. I suppose his last game, which was the one uh, 0 defeat at the Baggies, um, which ended up being and the, the Baggies fans were chanting, which is middle of March, sometime early March. Um, the Baggies fans are chanting, you, you're getting sacked in the morning, and yeah. you know you get that quite often. This time it was true. Yeah. Um, highest high, I guess, had to be when Drogba rolled that penalty in at the last the last sort of kick of the game, and I've got a, a picture that the kids bought me um, up on my wall. Um, and it's it's sort of from behind drop, and he's rolled the ball into one corner, and um, oh God, no, yeah, he's sort of diving right to the corner. Mm. And I remember, I remember uh, Martin Tyler um, shouting, uh, he's done it, the greatest night in the history of Chelsea Football Club. Well, I guess I can't argue Martin Tyler, can I? Because it was the first time that they'd won the Champions League or the European Cup, wasn't it? Chelsea, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It was the final, obviously, four years earlier in Moscow yeah, yeah. when... Uh, when che- uh, um, JT, wasn't it? Flipping with a vital penalty against Manchester United. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, they won the Europa League the season after yeah. Chelsea well, did. And, yeah. and they, they've actually won everything now that they can win. Apart, well, in in, um, in club football, you can't win the World Cup or the Euros, but falling short of that, Chelsea have won everything, haven't they? They have indeed, yeah. Um, obviously, sort of, uh, after... Um, We'd won the, the European Cup in 2012. Um, Dimitri only lasted, I don't know, a few months. I think his boy sort of December time he got the sack. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, we, we sat down to Lottie the year after he'd won the double. Yeah. So, you know, it's sort of unusual. But yeah, and then we won the, um, the uh, Europa League under Benitez as he was there as the interim manager. But yeah, yeah, obviously, um, you know, very kind of them to do this, to win the Champions League. Um, last term just to help my book sales along because it's maybe very topical again so that was very decent of them and obviously then to go and win the World Cup Championship and yeah every every sort of um, pot that Chelsea could win they've now won um, I'm just waiting for them to enter a team in the belt race next year <laughs>
<laughs> you never know, they probably will <laughs> win it. But with Abramovich now leaving, I mean, things are going to possibly change there for Chelsea. But you look at the managers. I mean, you've just referenced that in the space of, what, a couple of seasons. They've had four managers. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous to maintain a level of success at the elite level. Champions League, Europa League, FA Cup, Championships. And change your managers as consistently as Watford. It is quite incredible that Chelsea did do what they did. Oh, you're absolutely right, mate. Um, you know, it's it almost defies logic that mm. you know to be that successful to win so many pots um, with that sort of um, rotation manager. I mean, you know, the hot when people say that the hot seat Chelsea it really is hot because it's yeah. you know it's still warm from the previous guy when anybody knew, anybody else moves in. Um, and yet, and yet, you know, it's difficult to sort of criticise because you know you can't say it don't work. You can't mm. say it ain't work because I think from from Abramovich took over to now. Chelsea have won more trophies than any other English club. I think that's true. Yeah. Um, it certainly used to be. I think that, that, that that's still the case. And so you know, um, I mean, in Europe, you know, very few um, clubs keep coaches any longer than two years. But at Chelsea, if it's five two months, you're doing well, I suppose. Really. Absolutely. What contributors did you have to the book? I'm guessing that there were a number of people that you went to to get their experiences of that season. And did uh, Stevie Scrag? Uh, give any input because you did give some input to the undisputed champions of Europe, how the gods of football became European royalty and you did become European royalty in 2012. Indeed. Uh, I don't think you asked me this book. Actually, I've, I've crossed it quite often in the uh, the book I'm writing about Ajax at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, but, but I don't think it is in the, in the Chelsea book. But I managed to speak to quite a few decent, well, sort of well-celebrated people. I mean, Jonathan Northcroft, um, the Times and uh, the Telegraph. I'm not sure now. Um, I spoke to Rafa Honigstein um, about the Bayern game and Uli Hetzer, who uh, is a, a German um, uh, author. It's amazing that you know how helpful people are sometimes. I mean, this, the book I'm writing now, I managed to get an interview with Root Kroll wow. and, and and Johnny Rep. I mean, uh, just I mean, absolutely amazing. So you know, in the in the uh, in previous books, I mean, I spoke to, to Graham Hunter. Uh, people are so nice once you manage to get in touch with them. Um, it's really, really helpful. I'm surprised, Stephen, we're still talking to you, actually, after you uh, beat Liverpool 2-1 in the FA Cup final season. <laughs> uh, we have a good bit of bands, me and Stevie, um, <laughs> on, on podcasts, because the other guys, I mean, uh, um, Steve is in Hall, so he's a, he's a Hall fan, if anything, but he's not really supporting any, any clubs. And uh, we've got Paul, Paul Mack, who's an Everton fan. Yeah. Um, so, so Steve and I have a lot of have a lot of bands about um, Chelsea and Liverpool, but I mean they've been amazing the last couple of seasons and you know across them wonderful there. But uh, we have they're always great games. I mean we played them uh, a month or so back and uh, that, that great two two game at um, Stamford Bridge where Liverpool were two and Liverpool yeah. just going back. Mm-hmm. I mean some some great games. I mean Chelsea got a history of of, of sort of being involved in great games. You know you, you mentioned that already earlier. You know. And, uh, he's, he had some great, he's played some great games with Chelsea as well. I mean, you mentioned about the um, the 71, 72 um, Cup Winners' Cup triumph. You know, I mean, uh, great days, great days. And, you know, we almost, Chelsea now, it's, it's you almost, I wouldn't say you expect to win, but you think got a chance. When when, when Hoddy and Ozzy and Charlie Cork were playing, you know, Eddie Mack, um, Chopper Harris, Peter Benetti, 
when we won summit, it was it was summit special. Mm. It was summit special, and those guys delivered some great performances and great entertaining games as well. I'm guessing the preparation for uh, 2012 was slightly different to Athens in '71, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so, mate. I, I don't think the journeys down to the, to the Kings Road for a couple of beers were sort of involved in uh, in. Um, the, the preparation that Di Matteo put together, mate. Right <laughs> it, it was the Athens Hilton. Udi had popped in there because he was walking off a, a dead leg. So he got a taxi up to the uh, to the Athens. We was going past the Athens Hilton and he says, like, just drops off here. Yeah. He's only a young kid. I think I was, what, 19 at the time. Yeah. And uh, probably yeah. probably wouldn't go to uh, to Athens again. And it's in the Hilton. And he said, I, I walk through to, like, the pool area. And he said, Paul, I've seen a table. There's Osgood. Charlie Cook, Sponge, and Johnny Fennell, one of the mates. He said, I've never yeah. seen so much alcohol on a table. He said, I said to Ozzy, he said, you do realise, Oz, we didn't win last night. You know, we're playing them tomorrow in the replay. And he says, right. Young Good, you're going to have an early night because you're going to do my running and I'll score the golf. And Ozzy always delivered. But as he said, if the manager of Real Madrid or the coaches had gone into the Athens Hilton, they would have seen three Chelsea players off their nuts. <laughs> and that's exactly the words Hudson yeah. used. Different with Robbie uh, Di Matteo in 2012. But how did the players get on with, with Robbie? I know with Dave Sexton, you know, there, there was a lot of um, stick, but no carrot. But was was yeah. what was the dynamics like with Robbie? I think the difference is is that, um, and this is where he could succeed, where those Bowers um, failed is he was a Chelsea man. Yeah. Before obviously his playing career, a similar thing happened when um, Abram Grant took over from um, Mourinho. They brought in Steve Clark as an assistant, so there was a Chelsea sort of, you know, it, it wasn't totally new. Somebody from outside, well, Bowers Bowers had that sort of, you know, detachment from the club, yeah. whereas Robbie Di Matteo, and, and the players, I think, although they call, and I, I sort of got a few interviews, well, I, I did interview them, but I've seen interviews with them which I've used in the book, um, where they say, about, and they, they call Di Matteo now, they call it Robbie. Now, at the time, they, they, they called him boss, but even then, you know, although he wasn't, um, he wasn't sort of, what do I want to call it, generations apart from them, yeah. he wasn't, he seemed to be, have earned his respect because of what he did on the pitch, rather than I think you know when you when you get a manager go to a, to a club, any club, especially as a young as a young manager, you've got to have some cachet about you. You know, you, you've got to be able to put your medals on the table. Where you've yep. got to have succeed as a player or already have success as a manager on a long term basis. And and if you haven't, you've got to. Try, it's a difficult job to earn respect. When you look at, I mean, it's not this no disrespect to Doncaster Rovers, but they're not going to Doncaster Rovers. You know, you're going into uh, a, a top Premier Premier League team. You've got to be able to. You, you require respect, and if you don't bring that with you, you've got to earn it very, very quickly. And I think that was the advantage that Matteo had that he had that respect already because of things he'd done with Chelsea and, and trophies he'd won with Chelsea, of course. Yeah, absolutely. The quickest goal in the Wembley final as well. What a strike that was absolutely. in the bar and straight yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Middlesbrough, yeah. But, you know, the book, you've got your own Twitter feed, your own social media. You're big on that. So let's have a shout for how people can purchase the book and how they can link up with you, uh, Gaz. And also, when does the book come out? Cause it's not quite out. It's, it's out in April, isn't it? 
You're right, mate. It's at the 11th of April. Yeah. Um, you can get on Twitter. There's, I have a Twitter feed for it, as you mentioned, which is at OOTB2012, which is out of the blue 2012. So it's yeah. at OOTB2012. Um, the book is available for pre-ordinary. It's actually, I've just looked this morning, actually, for uh, when I was doing a bit of, bit of work on my, on my current book. And it's currently at number eight in the European uh, Cup um, uh, uh, section on Amazon and number 12 in the Chelsea section. So it's, even though it's not out for another month yet, still doing pretty well. But if anybody's interested, can find it on Amazon. But if you just plug my name into Amazon, that's Gary, G-A-R-Y, Thacker, T-H-A-C-K-E-R. Um, I've got my own Amazon page, so all my books are listed on there. And uh, Out of the Blue is sitting there nicely with just a click away from being ordered. And your uh, Twitter uh, page as well is all hyphen blue hyphen days, isn't it? So, you know, if people want to get hold of Gary Thacker, they can. The easiest way is to put it into a search engine, Gary Thacker, and every uh, comes up, Gaz. Different class. Follow back uh, forward as well, mate. Yeah, also on uh, Facebook, you're you're very uh, upfront on Facebook, so I think your social medias, it's important to uh, to get out to the masses. How have you got out to Chelsea Football Club? Have they recognised the book? What What's the dynamics there? It's, it's different. The short times have never happened. Oh, no, uh, it's difficult. Any... Um, it's all very corporate these days, mate. And mm. Speaking to a speaking to a lower league club, you've got far more chance. And um, look, for for example, um, the cover of the book, um, as the blue is, it's got Drogba check. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On the front, but um, you can't use uh, images from yeah. the Premier League era without paying a fee to the um, to the club. So yeah, they're basically illustrations on on the cover of the book, and the, it tends to be the way, as I say, these days, the Premier League. You know, the uh, the money sort of situation with clubs is is immense. Um, so no, I, I didn't. I did sort of briefly try and explore the, the club, but it sort of found me very quickly on uh, on complications, shall we say? So with Chelsea images of uh, Premier League, it's all you have to go through Chelsea because, like, if you looked at Chelsea images before the Premier League probably Getty that owns probably most of them because that's what happens, doesn't it? The, the photographers sell the images to Getty and anyone that writes books and want to put pictures in that they don't own has to pay an absolute king's ransom to get all of that. Yeah. And probably for only uh, the usage of that, that book at that time. If you want to rerun yeah. the book, you have to re 
apply and repay exactly, well, probably even more money for money with inflation. Yeah, I believe that's the case. I mean, when I spoke, yeah. I, it wasn't it was something I wasn't really aware of. When I spoke to the publishers about the book, and obviously you discussed cover options, that sort of thing, yeah. and they mentioned about this. I, I didn't know because I said, well, why do you need to illustrate it? Well, it could be used, you know, uh, I'm not sure it's Getty, they use, they use British libraries, you know, similar to Getty, it's not, if it's not Getty. Yeah. Um, but then, then there's the guy, uh, their, their sort of designers, explained to me about, you know, you have to pay a fee to the club, and so that's that's why they, they had the, the any covers of that sort of post-Premier League era um, tend to have illustrations on the front rather than photos, than which I guess, you know, that's that's just the way the world these days, Paul, isn't it, really? Yeah, I think it is, and I think it's sad, and I think that, you know, with the wonderful publication that, that you've written about Chelsea, you know, it, it's the, the season of 2011-2012, an iconic season, you would think that Chelsea would say, Gary, thanks for writing uh, the book. Uh, there's a shelf at uh, you know at the club shop there at Stamford Bridge, and then Chelsea fans can uh, can see it on the shelves and purchase it. But in the real world, what we have to do is we have to do these podcasts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, put it out on social media, and hope that we get a few bites. And if we hashtag Chelsea or Celery or CFC, where did Celery come from? It's always something that's amazed me with Chelsea Celery. I mean, since I've had the uh, the um, the Atto LTB twenty twelve, um, yeah. I've got a lot of yeah. followers, and you know, I speak to other people who sort of change things about the games and just like, and I've asked a couple of guys, and they don't know. There's even this one guy who's I'm not at Blue Balls, something like that, and mm-hmm. he's got some uh, of sort of range of something spread across his his, um, his Twitter profile, and, and I thought he's got to know, but he doesn't. So I, I don't know. It's, Fascinating. It is crazy. I mean, I know where the white wall come from. I mean, that was the back of the shed, wasn't it? But, you know, celery, it's still unsolved. Yeah. But, uh... yeah. One mentioned, one guy mentioned to me that he, he thought it was about the time. You know, do you remember when there was all this um, fad about taking inflatables to games, like, you know, these inflatable bananas? Yeah, and... that was in Ray Varadi, wasn't it, at Man City? Correct, correct. <laughs> yeah. And... Yeah, he said he thought it was from came from about that sort of time, um, and somebody taking something from the shop. I, I don't, but it, it seemed to be too far fetched. So I, don't, I really don't know. It's, I'd love to find the answer out myself, but um, it's a really sort of great mystery. Well, whether that's a true story or not, why spoil it? Because it's fantastic, and that you should always end on a good. And so we're going to end there. But finally, is there anything that you want to bring up that we haven't brought up, and anything that you've unearthed? Because we don't want to give too much away about the book, Gary. Because we want people to buy the book and go onto Amazon and buy it. Are you selling it from a personal website where you capture more of the money, or is it just the usual socials and stuff? Yeah, it's the usual ones. I mean, they're, they're, it's, the publishers have their own website to sell from there, which is uh, Pitch Publishing, yeah. which put out some fantastic books. And you, you mentioned Stevie's yeah, and uh, earlier there. We all, we all sort of um, uh, signed up to Pitch. Um, but yeah, uh, after the, 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 the thing about the, about the story, I think it's such a popular story. It's been told so many times. First, the one thing I'd mention is, um, and this is something that uh, Terry flags up, I spoke to Sky and they, they were very kind enough to tell me um, uh, the, the sort of coverage of the documentary they did about the game, that they, they tournament afterwards. And Terry tells a story about uh, the head of the game, Di Matteo, um, arranged for all the players' family and some of the young, young players' parents to go over to Munich and the head of the game appear in sort of at the end of a training session, I think, I think he said it was, to to say to the players how proud they were of them and how much they were looking forward to the final, how they believed in them. 
And he's, and he's said that, you know, even though Teddy said I wasn't playing, it, it was a really moving situation, you know, moving occasion. And uh, a lot of the players felt inspired. And I suppose that's when you get a sort of player who's into the, the family of the club. Um, an ex-player, I should say, like Di Matteo. Um, Di Matteo uh, has probably understood the value of that sort of thing and how it would sort of generate. And I guess in the end, you know, you have to say it worked because they won. Absolutely. And that's old school. That's how we used to manage back in the old days. Gaz, can I thank you so much for your time, sir? All the best with these football times. All the best with the Chelsea book, Out of the Blue. All the best with the Ajax book as well. And all the best for anything else that that you're doing. And anytime you need me, um, I'm only too happy to do a podcast with you and with Stephen or with Stuart, I haven't had the privilege of, of those boys yet, and well done to Pitch Publishing, you're absolutely spot on, them guys publish some fantastic football books, and guys, keep writing and keep reading, because these stories should never be forgotten, they're too good. Oh, bless you Paul, thanks for that, you keep these podcasts coming, keep them going with, with Roddy, because it's always fantastic to, to hear about the great old days. Cheers pal, thanks for your time, cheers my bye well, thank you so much, Gary. Another education, fantastic yeah. uh, broadcaster, writer, author. These football times, <sighs> prolific, aren't they? He's, just, he's, he's a talented guy, isn't he, Gary? You know what I mean? Yeah, they these all football are, times though, are brilliant. Oh, well, yeah, him, like you mentioned on the podcast, uh, yeah. Stuart and all of them, etc. As well, was a, I never realised how big the, the the group is actually. This sometimes. There's obviously oh, Gary's one of the senior ones. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just saying how many is in that management team. It's like, yeah. they are a big concern, these football times. They are. And if you haven't yeah. uh, listened to any of the podcast guys or, or read any of their books, check them out because they really are. I call them the educators. They've educated mm. me. And Stuart's latest book, um, Espana 1982, or it's just Espana 82. Stuart yeah. Orsville telling the story of a great World Cup in 82 through the eyes of a 10-year-old because he was 10 while he was watching uh, that World yeah. Cup final. And I'm guessing, I haven't spoken to Stu, but I'm guessing when he'd done the research for the uh, the Brazil uh, 1982, yeah. he must have done so much and had so many pieces of paper scattered yeah. on the floor and he's side stories almost yeah. yeah going off yeah i've done that when i've wrote poems about football because I, I do write quite a few football poems as well and then i'm writing things i'm thinking oh i've got about three more poems in on different football <laughs> players and that and I'm, when you're doing a book i'm sure that's what he'd done and thought you know what i've actually yeah. got another book here and i love spain 82 so yeah um great isn't it for, I- for the library it's good to be hearing Gary talking about when he, you know, writes a book, concentrate on one book, yep. but he's obviously got in his mind about another book yep. that springs to it. So, uh, you know, uh, it really, it was pretty much impossible to write two books at the same time, but it's interesting. You've got those ideas as you're writing some but, uh, you know, uh, fantastic. Absolutely. And, it, and so, it seems uh, as though there's a trilogy as well with the fictional stories. Because he yeah. doesn't just write facts, he writes oh, fiction he, as well. You know, yeah, no, great. I've, I've read his, I've read his book, uh, the games people play, Gary's, um, the fictional one, and uh, well, he clearly knows his football as we both know. Yeah, that's so it's really good. Really, the fictional, I don't, I'm not so fan of. I think we talked in the last podcast about 
mixing facts with fiction uh, yeah. for Damn United. But if you can write a good fiction book and just keep it fiction, you know, there's some really cracking reads out there. And the games people play, yeah, but Gary's a really good read, really good read. It's, it's about a guy, um, he's obviously his knowledge of football, as I say, Gary, and it's about this guy, I won't tell you too much, um, yep. but uh, it's playing football in Spain, which obviously where Gary lives, doesn't he? He lives out in Spain, so he clearly knows the area as well, but it's uh, really good and links it, and you can kind of picture it as well, lots of twists and turns. Great book, anyway, yeah. That fiction book, I know he did a follow-up one as well, didn't he? Yeah, that one who bought game well. as well, so... Uh, yeah, that's that. So we're waiting for the third one to drop from Gary, but it's a... Uh, it <laughs> These people are just... It's prolific, so isn't it? Prolific. Yeah. And... Uh, but, but the great on... story about Chelsea one, I would say. The, sorry, just over Chelsea oh. one. I look forward to that. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's really it's incredible, isn't it? That that, uh, that triumph uh, from when Villas Boris was just, well, he sacked, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And like, within yeah. two months later, yeah. you know, they won the FA Cup and the European Cup. It's incredible, really. It's yeah, phenomenal. It yeah, I mean, so a fantastic book and, and really, truly mm. against all the odds. I mean, if you yeah. would have, I mean, as Gary said, if you'd have gone to pitch publishing with the idea of this fictional book, yeah. that would have shown yeah, you a bit the too door. far, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. It, just, it just isn't possible. <laughs> Gary, just go over and say, just, uh, you know, have a chill out, son. Go and have a lie down. That isn't <laughs> yeah. possible. No, but it's not fiction. It's, it's fact. Joking. Yeah, they finished sixth yeah. in the league. They won the FA Cup, quarter final of the FA Cup, won the Champions League, had two managers. I mean, oh, this is inc- oh, incredible. And the way that they got to the finals, as he said, I thought yeah. it was really poignant when, you know, we can look at the Champions League finals, like, for instance, when Liverpool beat yeah. Milan 3-0 down and, and, yeah, and the yeah. European Champions League finals. But Man United in 99, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But it wasn't just the final with Chelsea. It was yeah. the build-up to the final against the lads and the way they come through it. And they won the damn final in Munich's own backyard as well. So, a fantastic read out of the blue. Uh, thank you so much, Gary, for your time. And thank you so much to Jill Morris, uh, a thriller by Jill Morris, The Big Fix, A Matter of Life and Death, or Much More Serious. And uh, I haven't re- read the book yet. I've, it's just dropped. Jill's kindly sent it to me. So if yep. you want any mentions on there, sending Gabby a book really gets you uh, top of the class. And yeah, gonna, yeah Jill's going to be my author of the month next month on the uh, on the podcast. So looking oh, great. For, yeah, looking forward to uh, having a chat with Jill. I'm doing another couple of extras. And her book's on our, my website, if you don't mind. I've just put a plug in there. It's on the website as well. So uh, you can put it on the fiction section on my website. Yeah, uh, Jill Morris' book. So uh, I know it's a... It was her debut novel, isn't it, The Big Fix? So yeah. uh, I know she's a huge football fan. I've spoke to, um, spoke to her, I mean, via uh, Twitter kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, she's, uh, yeah, I look forward to reading that. Yeah, and I've got a, another couple uh, lined up, a book corner extra time or book corner catch-up with, if you like. Um, Leo Monaghan, who wrote The Three uh, Three Kings, uh, Busby oh, Stein, The Makers of Modern Football, which, uh, yeah, it was the, um, the book that came out a company in the Three Kings, the makers of modern football, uh, by uh, a good mate Johnny Owen, uh, filmmaker. So I've got the Great. DVD and the book, and it is absolutely fantastic. When you watch the book and you read, sorry, watch the DVD and read the book. I mean, again, I've read half of it, 
But <laughs> and you watch it, and it, it's just the same. He's written it, he's captured it brilliantly. Yeah. And um, They Shall Not Pass is uh, Leo's latest book. And Leo's got a project at the moment that he's working on. So it should be done at the end of March. So wow. I'm going to be doing okay. a podcast talking about his writing, his projects, and his latest projects, which is an oh, absolute belter. So I'm looking, oh, looking, forward, yeah. looking forward to uh, to to that. Yeah, really interesting because obviously his, his dad was a great writer, John Monahan. Yeah, absolutely. Who wrote um, the Soccer Syndrome? That was a well, well, a football booking one of the greats. I think he wrote in the I think he wrote in the sixties. I might be wrong. So hopefully I'm not that I'm wrong. But Soccer Syndrome is one of those classics. So uh, obviously um, Leo and his son obviously learned a lot from him. But no, that, that, that book, by the way, The Three Kings, is brilliant. The um, the documentary, in fact, if um, uh, if you go onto YouTube, there's a trailer. Yeah. And it's one of those trailers. I don't know if you've seen it, Gabby, but yeah. the trailer is you know, a couple of minutes, like hairs on the back of your neck. Yeah. Uh, the way they do the, the talking over it, you know, and obviously... You've got the voices. You could be, you know, blindfolded. You can recognise Busby, Shankly, Jockstein's kind of voice, can't you? All um, as well. Yeah, yeah. And that, well, that's what's amazing. They're yeah. all born in a thirty-mile radius yeah. of each other. Uh, it's incredible, really. You know, in terms of like the size of those clubs now, Manchester United, Liverpool, Celtic. Uh, in fact, I've got the back of it. I've got it here. We've got media, social media following. Them three clubs of over two hundred million. You know, the massive clubs. And, the, and those three, three kings, uh, you know, really are the makers of modern football, aren't they? And how instrumental is Busby into the, yeah. the making of Liverpool and Manchester United? And he was so close yeah. to being manager of Liverpool, but he went to mm. United because he he was able to build not just a football team, but he wanted yeah. to build a football club. And that's yeah, why Busby definitely. went there, and it just, just a brilliant book and and a brilliant DVD, and for yeah. uh, not just, just again, so so much talent out there, um, talking, mm. writing, producing, directing, wonderful publications mm. of football, and Richard Whitehead's got the the cup. I know it's um a book that yeah. you've been uh, highly promoting on your website there. I'm going to be catching yeah. up with Richard, who's a Villa supporter as well. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh, lives, okay. Lives down, uh, yeah, lives down south now, down in Hampshire. Because right. uh, I did say, you're a Villa supporter. He said, yeah, yeah, well, you're local. <laughs> Come into the studio. We can do a little podcast. But no, he, oh, he, he lives down in um, in Hampshire. So uh, we will be doing it over the phone like I do with most of them. And uh, Right. Yeah, so that's... I've seen that, a few uh, images of... Virtual, yeah, I've seen a few images shared of that book for people who've already bought it online. So it just recently come out. It looks it looks a cracker. Absolutely, um, beautiful images and just well, as we said, the FA Cup. We talked about it before. It's such a yeah. great competition, isn't it? The stories, the uh, the tales, etc. And obviously, pictures bring it to life, don't they? Absolutely. So, uh, and the official history yeah, of the FA Cup by uh, Miguel Delaney. There's yeah. lots of FA Cup yeah. books out at the moment. Which is expected yeah. because it is you. You've already alluded to uh, earlier yeah. in the podcast. A hundred and fifty years of the greatest cup competition in the world. So it's no no surprise that there's a number <laughs> of FA Cup books out, and you can't get rightly enough, so. You can't get enough books. I I don't think you can get enough <laughs> books. 
someone will write a book and then somebody else will write a book and there's no rivalry, you're just writing books on your different angles, your different ways of looking at it and your research. And and yeah. it's all it's all it's just all about the beautiful game. Yeah, no, brilliant, excellent. Um, so do, I, I mentioned a few books that's coming up there in March as yep. well. So next month. So uh, well, there's ones that's recently come out. Um, again, through the likes of um, Pitch Publishing, and I think there's a wide diversity. This there's a one that's just come out. Please don't take me home. It's by an Italian guy writing about his love story of Fulham Football Club. We could, we've all got our own. Um, yeah, Fulham, Fulham Football Club. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's um, so it says, please don't take me home. It's an emotional tale of an Italian immigrant, uh, Simone. Uh, I'm going to have an attempt at his surname, Abitati. I'm glad you <laughs> said got. that and not me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not going to repeat it. So uh, I'm pretty sure I got Simone right, his first name. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it talks about his, his 20 year love affair with Fulham Football Club and. Uh, yeah, books like this, it just, uh, you know, everyone has got lots of stories about their club, etc. And uh, obviously a must-read Fulham fans, that one's just come out. And, uh, How did he Fulham. get to Fulham? Like, you know, what was he just saying? Yeah. 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 That's what I, I love. What... How did you get there and like Fulham and yeah. how did you get into the football? And So, yeah, great book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fascinating. Crazy Cottage is one of my all-time favourite grounds. Love going to there. So, uh, yeah. Did you go on the boat the or did you, do you not go on the boat? No, I've never been on the boat myself. No, no I know a few people have. Have you? Have no, you done no, it? no, 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 no. Tom, no, been Tom just watches the villa home and away everywhere. <laughs> In fact, he was up Leeds the other night, but he's not been on the boat neither. <laughs> Blue, the interesting fact. The Peaky Blinders have been on the boat. <laughs> and interesting fact. All right. Go interesting on. fact, sorry, about the Graven Cottage. Sorry, just um, uh, there's a new stand being built there right against the river. And... Uh, Actually, I think part of it is an apartment, that newsstand, and it's oh. actually got a swimming pool that's going to be built on the top of it. So I'm not sure many football grounds in the whole of the world will have a swimming pool in it. <laughs> so, I'm not uh, convinced many people would want a swimming pool on the no. top of the football ground. <laughs> yeah, so that's unique, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I thought I'd mention like that. that. away from football fans, they'll be drowning each other. I know, I know, I just can't. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, when I heard uh, it was on a game, um, Fulham were playing against someone the other night, uh, on the day on Sky Sports, and the commentator said something like, uh, "I'm looking forward to going in the swimming pool when it opens." I thought, "Is that real?" And I googled it, and you look at you can see images if you Google the new Cra- Craven Cottage. Yeah, there it is, a swimming pool on the top of the stadium. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so um, March as well. Uh, I think we mentioned last week, but get it on. Yeah, out of the 70s rock football by John Sperling. So, you got uh, it? Uh, I haven't since if yet. No, I'm waiting for it so uh, to come through. So uh, I'm what a bit a, behind this what one. A, so, yeah. What a book it is. It, yeah, it's lots it, of great reviews. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's really thick. It's got, yeah. well, with the index, it's got over 300 and about 400. So, oh, is probably, it? You've got yeah, it then. probably about 3,500 in terms of writing about the 70s get it on and then all you've got all the index in the uh, in the back as well and yeah. uh, some lovely pictures uh, in there Trevor Francis scoring right. the uh, winning goal against Mal- Blom, is it? Malmo yeah in 79 yeah it's a fan there United fan with the dart in his eye oh is it? yeah <laughs> right. yeah 
I mean, yeah, you don't. Yeah. I mean, if I was, if I was that United fan there with a dart in my eye, or they right. looks more like it's on the bridge of his nose, I'd be right. absolutely blasting. I'd be crying. I would, wouldn't you? Gotcha. Yeah. Um, he's standing in the crowd, is he? Is no, he's got two coppers or a St John's ambulance right. and a copper. <laughs> Either side of him, yeah. That was the same. Ian Wallace Brilliant. in his uh, chocolate Coventry kit. Uh, <laughs> Tommy Doherty winning the FA Cup there with Lou McCarry and and yeah. so and the um, oh, it looks like England versus Poland uh, picture oh, yeah. there. That's the Brian Clough one yeah. when he oh, talks about the goalkeeper, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, there's yeah, a lovely picture great. of Paul Trevelyan with his target ball on there. Bad Don Revy and Brian Clough. A uh, picture of um, David Webb, DJ, Jeff Hurst, Alan Hudson, Alan Ball, Terry Venables, right. Rodney Marsh, and Terry Mancini. Look, brilliant photographs. If, if the print is half as good as yeah. the photographs, it's going to be a great read. And, <laughs> and I know that it's going to be twice as good, to be fair, because the 70s was the greatest era. Yeah. The, uh, that's on my next to read list, like I say, when it arrives, so it'll be arriving soon. So, but I've seen the, uh, yeah, I've seen a number of reviews, the interviews, um, the likes of um, John McGovern, doesn't it, and, uh, amongst others, um, Cyril Regis and what have you. So, uh, yeah, it was a groundbreaking decade, wasn't it, as we've oh, already I mentioned. Just, I just think yeah, it's the happy brilliant. days of football. It was the, the golden yeah. age, the golden decade of football. Mm. And I'm going to be doing a podcast with John Sperling to talk about uh, the book, Get It On, as well. And a great record, T-Rex, Get It On. Yeah. What a bad they were, weren't they, (laughs) T-Rex? Didn't realise one of uh, a cousin of uh, of, uh, Silk. Sorry, say it again, Gabby. Mark Boland, Mark Feldman. He was, uh, I think, his second cousin of uh, Barry Silkman, Mark was. Wow. Mark Boland. Oh, there you go. What we just talk, we did talk briefly about um, fictional books. There's, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with this one, but again, I've done a podcast with Paul Fletcher, Fletch, the Burnley yep. marksman of the seventies, and he'd done a, a book called Saturday Bloody Saturday, a game oh, more yeah? serious than life or death, with Alistair Campbell. Are you familiar with this book and the premise of the book? It does ring a bell. Uh, um, it does ring a bell. Sorry, who's the author? I didn't quite catch you when you said it. Oh, Fletcher. Oh, Fletcher. It does ring a bell, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I can't, I can't remember. It doesn't leap out. It rings a bell. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I've read that many books, but it does ring a bell, that title. Yeah, the, I've, I've done a podcast with Paul, and uh, Paul talked to me about it. it it's, a, it's a book about football in the 70s, uh, about, yeah, about, and it's Alistair Campbell. You mean the journal? It's the um, yeah, Tony Blair, yeah, isn't it? Late, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do recognise it. Yeah, of course yeah. I do. Yeah, it's come back to me now. So just at a moment, then I was thinking, who's Alistair Campbell? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Alistair didn't write it, but he put his name to it. Ah, yes, yeah, it I remember gives the one. it a little bit more, you know, um, saleability, if you like, and also he done a lot of work in going to members of the IRA because it's about yeah. football in the 70s and bombing of football grounds, etc., etc. Yeah. Although they didn't yeah. bomb any football grounds, but it is a novel. And they just he just wanted to make sure that he didn't upset anybody in the IRA because he didn't want to come around <laughs> knocking on the door. And, and it's, it's, it, the premise of the book is there was a referee in the 70s mm. who... 
refereed games in London and he stayed in a hotel and he got a key cut. And whenever he refereed, he stayed in the same mm-hmm. hotel. And what he did is he got the key cut of the room mm-hmm. and then when he stayed in the hotel, he was in another <laughs> room. So he took his key and he robbed the room. And this went on for ages and they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. But they looked at the guests and, and found out that this referee was a guest at the hotel whenever a room got robbed. And, and he was a claptomaniac. Yeah. And, and Paul, yeah. you know, was told this story. So it's based on uh, true uh, things like Leeds United, for instance. The, yeah. the chapter about yeah. Leeds United. And he phoned up Johnny Giles and said, um, Johnny, I'd like to just, you know, uh, sign this disclaimer because I don't want you suing me if, if you read anything <laughs> about it that you don't like. And um, the story is, is on the latest podcast, part 110 of The Current View. And and it's a magnificent book, Saturday, oh, God, Bloody yeah. Saturday. It's a fictional book about a referee that was a kleptomaniac, the IRA, <laughs> and football in the 70s. As Paul said, well, that's a the collective kind of combination, isn't it? Yeah, there, in so. every dressing room in the 70s, you'd have the English players, the Irish players, the Welsh players, you'd have a dresser, yeah. you'd have a tramp, you'd have a ladies' man, you'd have the same <laughs> the same crack in every dressing room. So it, it's all about all of that wrapped into a book, um, Saturday, Bloody Saturday. So uh, a, a great fictional route. And Magical Life in Football, Paul Fletcher, MBE, with uh, Dave Thomas, which is his autobiography. Uh, what a lovely fella as well, who now uh, designs football grounds. Football design, yeah, yeah, does really well, yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I've heard of the name. And, yeah, and, I've heard of the name. And was instrumental in the um, the university up there in um, in Burnley, uh, right, football university. Nice. Yeah, pretty that's much cool. a pioneer of football and a pioneer of everything. You know, one of these football players that when he finished, usually they went into like either be a car salesman, sell insurance, or buy yeah. a pub. Well, Paul Fletcher didn't. He went into other avenues and uh, a yeah. tremendous businessman and a lovely... Yeah, I have, I have heard of a name, yeah, because you just ring the bell when he said about those stadiums. He's one of those, uh, an expert, isn't he? The yeah, he is, yeah. Stadium, yeah, it does ring the bell. I've, I've, read, I've heard his work before. Yeah, he scored a wonderful goal against Leeds United, a bicycle kick in 1974 at Ellen Road. And um, yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube only because they were making a a documentary on Don Revy. It wasn't to do with football, it was about Don Revy. And it just just captured Paul Fletcher's wonderful overhead kick, who who he describes fantastic on the uh, recent uh, podcast that I've done with Paul. So what else have you got for me, sir? Cool. Excellent. Well, running through March, so uh, there's a number of books come out in March. Um, uh, I won't go through all of them, uh, but you've got uh, Manchester City, our decade. So, uh, and it was their decade. So this is, <clears throat> yeah, the last um, 2011 onwards. I think it is. But yeah, so that's uh, uh, definite for Man City fans. And uh, yeah, obviously under the. The legendary manager Pep Guardiola. So um, yeah, some great stories in there. So that's um, that's comes out. Sorry, uh, next week, seventeenth uh, of March. Uh, the power and the glory. Mick Clegg uh, with Steve Bartram. Okay. Uh, Mick Clegg um, is renowned within 
world sport as one of the industry's leading coaches, uh, linked very much with Manchester United. Uh, he was born he was born in Duckerfield, uh, Greater Manchester, uh, and he's best known for his work during almost a dozen years at Manchester United. Um, uh, he widely accredited with the starring role in the evolution of Cristiano Ronaldo, right. amongst uh, a variety of other players. So yeah, um, but he left in 2011, and it's used his departure as a springboard for other successes of coaching um, athletes. So that's, uh, I think it's through Reach Sports, I think is the publisher. I hope I've got that right. Um, but yeah, The Power and the Glory, Mick Clegg. So it looks an interesting story, again, about his inspirational tale of strengths and weaknesses, both in sport and in life, um, providing an insight into the art of coaching. Um, from uh, Well, it sounds like really from grassroots right up to your, well, your world champions and yeah. lots of Ronaldo. So uh yeah, that looks a good read. Um, Football's Great War, um, 1914 to 1918 by Alexander Jackson. Yep. Comes out at the end of March. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's about football during that during that time, which is uh, probably quite... Um, when you Obviously, what's happening at the moment in Ukraine, etc. You know, and you think of, um, you know, how that's impacting football bit by bit already mm. with, obviously... Uh, Chelsea and Roman Rodgers, but uh, 1914 uh, to 1918, and it talks about the game during those times. Which, you know, I was looking at some of the facts here. You know, it's incredible when you think about the First World War. You know, 16 million people were killed during that war. Terrible, uh, it's just a phenomenal figure. Uh, in fact, I saw it somewhere. That's that's more than the population of Sweden and Portugal put together. It's just Crazy. to give you an idea. It's an immense amount of people that sorry lost their lives. Um, so Spanish that's gonna be really Spanish flu come the year after, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think uh, that killed more than the bloody war. No, that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Incredible. But uh, so yeah, that's about that time. So some really interesting stories in there. I'm sure mentioning that time will be the famous story of the um the Christmas truce. Yes. Uh on Boxing Day nineteen fourteen yep. when famously the German and it is a true story. Yeah. Um, you can go onto YouTube and likes, etc. You'll the, there's still old um, uh, recordings of some of the soldiers who were there and on the, in that event. And basically, the Germans on one side of the trenches are, are whistling and singing carols, um, and the, the British on the other side of the trench start singing back, and and they just joined up, sharing um, gifts and photographs, and started to play football in the no-man's land in between. So, uh, um, but it just shows you, um, yeah, the, fo- the power of football, isn't it, to bring you together. So uh, it'd be really interesting to read that. It links in probably two of my passions. I love world history and obviously football as well. So uh, that's coming out by Dr. Alexander Jackson. He's the creator of the National Football Museum in Manchester as well. Oh. So, uh, yeah, so that looks a really, really good read. So uh, uh, that's coming out at the end of... Um, the end of the month. Um, Any truth that the Germans won 5-4 on penalties? <laughs> I'm sure about that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if anyone kept a score. That's always interesting, isn't it? So I know if I was involved, I would have said I scored the winner. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that comes out. Uh, a few others in March. You've got um, probably quite good timing in some ways. Um, uh, coming out in a couple of weeks is Marcello Bielsa, the foundation of success at Leeds mm. United by Salim Lemonani. He was his right-hand man when he first, well, his first season when he took over at Leeds United. So, uh, um, so he lays bare some of his methods and tactics and 
exactly. I think he was also his um, uh, what do you call it when he, well, he speaks speak, speaking on his because obviously he wasn't fluent English, was he? Yeah, so yeah. I never, I, I never get the interpreter. That's mm-hmm. the word. Thank you. Um, but that's his um, book. So um, um, he's got coming out. So um, but yeah, obviously. Sad to see him leave, isn't it, at Leeds United? Yeah, so, I'm, I'm surprised, yeah. really, in a way. I know Leeds yeah. getting, you know, got smashed a yeah. few times, but yeah. I don't think that this new fella is the answer. I think is yeah. a good coach, and and I think that he was just a little bit unlucky. Um, yeah. Players got injured, key players got yeah. injured, um, and I think that all coaches and managers fall on bad times. I yeah. think that they should have been brave enough to keep with Bielsa, and even if he took him down, he'd take him back up again. And and I think oh, what Leeds need, is, yeah, I think what Leeds need is a little bit of investment because when Bielsa took over at Leeds, um, they wasn't ripping up any trees. You yeah. know, he he coached them, he got results, he got them promoted, he got them uh, playing some fantastic football in the Premier yeah. League, very exciting box office uh, to watch. Yeah, the wheels of his wagon come off a little bit, but I think that's when you need football people working in yeah. football clubs and yeah. somebody just hands up. Uh, oh, Gaffer, can I just say, if he's the answer, sacking Bielsa isn't the question. Let me yeah, yeah. Let's Absolutely. carry on with Marcelo. Okay. Marcelo. How do you suddenly forget how do you suddenly forget everything he did beforehand? You know, and the way he football. built it, etc. Everyone goes through a rocky period, don't they? Yeah. Sadly, I mean, we we spoke earlier on the podcast about Waddington. I mean, Waddington mm. had lean lean years with the 16, yeah. 17, 17 years in 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 charge of Stoke City. You know, Alex Ferguson before he was yeah. Sir Alex. You know, had a <laughs> bit of a rocky start at Manchester United. Yeah, uh, Bill Shankly. Exactly. How many years was it till Bill Shankly won something at Liverpool Football Club? You know, Coffee, Brighton. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, can't you? But if you yeah. have football people working in that football club, when somebody yeah. says, I think we should sack the manager, somebody should have the balls to say, I think you should be looking in the chair, in the mirror, Mr. Yeah. Chairman. I think you should yeah. be the one that's been sacked, not him. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, you know, no, Mar- yeah, absolutely. No, but uh, there's another book that makes me think of when you're talking there about Marcello Bielsa. There was one called The Quality of Madness, The Life of Marcello Bielsa by Tim Rich. Come out a few years back. It's yeah. a brilliant book. Again, it just tells what it was. Brilliant coach, yeah. you know. He coached some of the great names, uh, like Batistuta, Tevez, I remember, Varane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he cited as the mentor for Pep Guardiola. Yeah, so think, uh, and think, he's not done too bad, is he? Odi <laughs> always maintains you can either be hmm. a coach or you can be a manager. And I think Bielsa is one of the great coaches of modern football. Yeah. I just question whether yeah. he's a manager. Now, whether yeah. whether Bielsa yeah. needed... And the fella that's doing well at Uddersfield, he was with him, wasn't he? And yeah, he was. Yeah. Now, you know, we don't know what impact that has on a manager. And, yeah. it, and, you know, especially a manager, I know he's managed and he's been around for a long time. Of course he has. But managing in the Premier League is a little bit different to managing in other countries. You know, yeah. and it's a very, very unforgiving league. You've only got to get Definitely. off to that bad start and, you know, get injuries and et cetera, et cetera. But if you've got somebody yeah. there to fall back on that's, 
you know, working on the defensive side of the game for argument's mm. sake, that he's no longer there, then sometimes it gets highlighted. And yeah. I'm not saying that's what happened, but it could be. And I just, mm. I would like football clubs to be a little bit more forgiving, yeah, understanding. Definitely. And work Definitely. with the managers and work with the players and instead of just sacking yeah. them when it starts to be bad. Well, I, could, I think back to Gary's uh, latest book, Gary Packer's latest book yeah. about Chelsea going away. When uh, Di Matteo, you know, he took over, obviously, and he won the FA Cup Champions League and he was uh, sacked, I think, in November yeah. of that year. So only yeah. a few months later. Absolutely. So he's just, he's just won, arguably, the, yeah, the two biggest... The Holy Grails, aren't they, of uh, club football? And uh, yeah, Carlo won the Crazy. double. Carlo won the double and got sacked. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is a basket Crazy. case, really. I mean, if you're looking at Watford <laughs> and Chelsea, very, very similar, but very, very different as well. You know, I've yeah. always thought that your best backing your manager and having that little bit of you know continuity that builds if, and breeds success. Yeah, if you apply that scenario in everyday working life, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast that would be thinking, "Crikey, I'm glad he didn't get rid of me last month because I was rubbish." <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's just bonkers, isn't it? Really, but you know, football is a bonkers business, really. Yeah, but that, that's good. That's good timing, though. So that book, uh, that yeah, by Salim Lamarani. So uh, that's probably good timing for him. That book's coming out in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. So because uh, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, that was about. It. Uh, working alongside him in his first season at Leeds United. Um, uh, the next book I'll mention is, uh, there's again, March, uh, Fields of Wonder by Evan Marshall. This is about the incredible story of Northern Ireland's journey to the 1982 World Cup. Right. Um, so that's coming out. So, yeah, by the end of the 1970s, well, Northern Ireland, the football team was languishing in the doldrums. You know, obviously the trouble of the back, uh, yeah. well, civil unrest and obviously all the troubles, etc. Uh, and I'm uh, reading through here. Yeah, obviously they finished bottom of the British Championship. If you remember that, for the four successive years, about winning a single game. The Those champions, yeah. Do you remember them? Bring yeah, them back, yeah. Yeah, he loved them, didn't he? Versus Scotland and the Saturday. Come on, let's have a bit yeah. of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Why can only like, rugby have that? I mean, at the moment, as we're speaking yeah. and recording this, it's like England versus Ireland tomorrow. If only yeah. football still did that, the home internationals, oh, what would no. we rather watch? England versus Ireland, Wales, Scotland, or England versus Lithuania? Oh. Mind you, I mean, that might be Russia next month, mightn't it? <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's the, the, the way the world's going. We might not have yeah. all these shrinking sides and all these fragmented countries. But, yeah. you know, we would rather, I would rather have home internationals than watch yeah. England play against some of the dirge that have watched us play, and then yeah. invite over Brazil and Argentina. Let's go back to the 70s when it was the beautiful oh, game, rather than the... And there were big tournaments. Them. There were big tournaments, weren't they? When you yeah. think, just recently, England-Scotland playing in the Euro Championships, didn't yeah. they, at Wembley? So uh, it was great. For both sets of fans, everyone loves it. Loves yeah. the camaraderie and the banter. And, uh, yeah, I think rugby have got that right, haven't they, in rugby yeah, union? Yeah, The Six Nations. Yep, but there you go. Yeah. What else we got? So, yeah, that's, fe- that's Fields of Wonder. So, um, um, yeah, that comes out. Um, so, also, 
also in March, uh, I think we've already met, yeah, we mentioned the FA Cup book um, by Michael Delaney that comes out, yep. so celebrating the 150th. Mm-hmm. The last Busby Babe, and the yes. autobiography of Sammy McElroy, yep. um, with uh, one of the great writers, Wayne Barton, yeah, yep. prolific writer, obviously, in Manchester United. So I'm uh, hoping to do a podcast with, uh, well, I've asked to do a podcast with Sammy. Um, great. I'd love, I'd love to do one with Sammy. I'd love to, love to do yeah. a book signing. With uh, Sammy, I have put it in there, so I'm trying to bring him over to the Black Country to uh, the bar in Wollaston, the Britannia Sports Bar. I think that'd be Great. fantastic. Bring Lou Macaro, bring Jimmy Green off, and I'll bring Alan Hudson. We can have, <laughs> oh, we can have a great little get together. Well, that'll be a good night. Yeah, Excellent. well, Udi played with Sammy at Oak City, 83 84 season. So it's going to be, and, and it was the, Sammy was the last player that Busby bought. That's why it's the uh, last Busby babe, isn't it? That's it, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, the last player signed, the last player signed by the legendary Sir Matt Busby. Yeah. Uh, it's a bona fide old Trafford legend uh, and a transit part and fabric of the illustrious history. So, um, but yeah, Super Sam. Uh, and he went to manage uh, his country after a successful spell of George and Maxfield Town as well. So, yeah, great uh, player. Good player, Sam. Yeah. He, yeah. he made his debut age 17, didn't he? Scored against Man City on his debut. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, tremendous player. And uh, Udi said, great, great player, great lad, Sammy. But it looks a great book. So just, as you mentioned here, from the anxiety of his homesickness to the exhilaration of his club debut, you just referred to, mm. from the highs of his heartbreaking exit, I'm sorry, from the lows of his heartbreaking exit to United, um, yeah, to the highs of his, yeah, what went on to follow. And uh, Wayne Barton's a great one to talk about with because he's a fantastic... And he's got one out about Wayne, hasn't he, at the moment? Wayne Rooney? Yes, yeah. We, yeah. I think I think we mentioned it last year. The teenage yeah. kicks, yeah, yeah Wayne Rooney. Yeah. And he done the yeah. one, of course, by George Best uh, last he year. Did. He's wrote loads. True genius. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Loads of books. He's a good lad. Um, yeah, I was definitely. interacting with him uh, last week, so I'm hoping to do something with either Wayne uh, or Sammy. So yeah, looking forward to that. Excellent. Uh, addicted to football uh, is the next one. Uh, a journey yeah. from Anfield to Almost Everywhere uh, by John Newby. Um, so, uh, he, so he addicted to football. He's the autobiography of a former professional footballer. His career took him from a single, just one single Premier League appearance in Liverpool to playing for clubs all over the country in eight uh, top eight tiers of the football pyramid, including Scottish football. So he, this guy's done it all, really. So uh, and it basically talks about, um, it looks a fascinating life story Love books like this. These ones that you don't, you know, the, the players that are not well known, and some of the stories they tell are great because it, it links with the the everyday. Because we do, we love to talk about the great stories, successes, you know, those players. But there is so many players that got to that high and came down really yeah. quickly and had to adapt to life. But it seems a fascinating insight into, yeah, it's a, an unpredictable world of being a journeyman footballer. Um, John's biggest battle, it says here however, came when he was diagnosed with an incurable heart condition mm-hmm. and the game he was addicted to put his life in serious danger. So, yeah, it's been a really interesting... That's come out through Pitch Publishing as well. That comes out at the end of the month. So, uh, they do some um, books, don't they, Pitch? They do. And I, these stories are just great stories, aren't they? So yeah. uh, and Pitch just seemed to yeah, manage to attract the, the real um, cream of the crop, don't they? Um, so that looks a cracker coming out. Um bit closer to home for us at Warsaw. Um, uh, there's 90 minutes, sorry, 90 minutes from Europe. Uh, and that comes out on Monday as we're talking. Yeah. 
um, by Simon Turner. Uh, and it's, yeah, the summer of 1983. So War- Walsall's greatest cup run, uh, which took them all the way to that um, that memorable uh, semi-final against uh, Liverpool um, in, 80- I think it was 83. I'm not sure I can see it on here, but yeah, I'm sure it was 1983, around about that time. So, yeah, uh, and the idea... I mean, the name of the book is the 90 minutes from Europe is linked to uh, the idea of how you could quickly get to European countries or European cities. Sorry, you could reach from Birmingham Airport. So, uh, um, so yeah, fantastic and a great read certainly for Warsaw fans as well. Uh, and the ground I always like looking at when you come down the M6 and you look yeah, across the right there next to it. <laughs> yeah, the old best yeah. So. Uh, um, the ground, um, yeah, um, lots of memories. So that's that one, uh, and a couple of us I'll mention. Uh, one day in April uh, is Hillsborough story by Jenny Hicks, uh, and yeah, this is a sad story. Uh, Jenny Hicks, um, her husband and two teenage daughters, Sarah mm. and Vicky, went to the last yeah football match and never returned. So this is uh, written by yeah the mother. Um, right in the back of the, um, yeah, since, well, what, one day in, on the 15th of April in 1989. So uh, it's written by Jenny Hicks, uh, and that comes out at the end of the month. And, um, yeah, that's sure to be an emotional story as well, uh, as she opens up for the first time to talk about just an absolute tragedy. Mm. Uh, and I know I've seen um, his, her husband's, I've seen a number of documentaries um uh, you know, um, oh, just such a sad day, isn't it? So, uh, but um, yeah, it uh, yeah, yeah. He's mm. uh, she's writing a book that comes out at uh, the end of the month. Um, the last one I mentioned. Oh, just before you, you yeah, yeah. go on to yeah. your next one, I was yeah. um, working that day as a as a black cab driver. Were you? Yeah, because yeah. Everton, Everton played um, at Villa Park. Yeah, and and I remember oh, I just pulled off. Um, not dropping down at Villa Park, but I'd already dropped a load of uh, Evertonians down at, at Villa Park. And yeah. um, I'd just pulled out New Street Station and listening to the radio, and, and they'd said that there's a bit of crowd disturbance, because that's as it was reported mm. at first, crowd disturbance at, at Hillsborough, yeah. and then it, it, you know, it started um, coming out through the news, bulletins, etc. There'd been a real problem at, at Hillsborough. And I remember picking up the Evertonians and Everton fans coming back to New Street Station and them being so really? concerned uh, about Liverpool fans and what had gone on at Hillsborough. And yeah. um, they were all, you know, in a state of shock. And it was, we, none of us really knew what really went on at that time. I mean, yeah. you could argue that lots of us didn't really know what went on after a very long period of time. But in the immediate yeah. aftermath, as Everton fans were coming back from the semi-final that they'd won and um, looking forward to uh, going to Wembley. They um, really were, uh, you know, um, yeah, crestfallen, crestfallen yeah, about their, their brothers at Liverpool. This is a time before we had your mobile phones, etc. Yeah, isn't it? So no, you couldn't, couldn't get that information quickly yeah, enough. And, uh, it was I literally watched the only, yeah. Yeah, I watched a documentary recently of uh, Anne Williams, who was one of the, yes. the Hillsborough family yeah. support group. Because there's two tragedies, isn't there, really? The tragedy of the yeah. day and the tragedy of the cover-up, which is just so... Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah, Anne Williams uh, talks about when she, she, she had to drive um, 
down to uh, Hillsborough, you know, uh, to find out what was happening, really. Yeah. You know, so she's incredible, lady. So, uh, mm, but um, no, it's, yeah, it's very sad. But um, uh, yes, yeah, that's that, that, that book comes out. So, um, uh, and yeah, so, um, and the last one I'll just mention is uh, there's a book coming out, How Not to Run a Football Club. Uh, and this is by a guy called Nathan Fogg. Yep. Um, this book's um, been attempted to come out for a while, actually. Um, but uh, for some reason, the publications of things been pushed back. I think mean, there might have been some issues in terms of the content of this that need to be checked out, let's say, and get uh, proof. But it's basically uh, about Blackpool, um, Blackpool FC, mm. and, um, yeah, the Oysters, exception. Mm. Yes. Yeah, and uh, the challenges, and let's say... The pro- uh, protests, boycotts, and court cases. Yeah. The inside story mm-hmm. of Blackpool FC. So, uh, yeah, uh, obviously the fans really did pull together, didn't they, to uh, finally get rid of them at some uh, eventually. So, um, I've always uh, been yeah. an advocate of that. If you don't like what's going on in your football club, which clearly yeah. Blackpool fans didn't with the Oysters, boycott yeah. it. I know it's a bit of tough love, but if you boycott, you stay away, you starve them, starve yeah. them of any income. They'll soon go. I yeah. went on strike probably now 11 or 12 years, just after the Carling Cup final of, what was it, 2011, when Birmingham City won. I was there. And, I was yeah, at that game, Gabby. Yeah. Really? I was, actually, yeah, the top tier. So I had a good view down when uh, he got there. Oh, God, I have to go his name. What is his name? He scored it. Over Femi Martins. That's it, of course, yeah. Martins, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, yeah, and 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 after that, it really did go tits up for Birmingham. But you know, I'd through my links yeah. had been told, you know, about ownership of Birmingham and what was going on and stuff. And I I did say to the Birmingham City supporters, I made it very clear through social mm. media, etc. We should all boycott, not go in, go to the ground. Yeah, by all by all means, go to the grounds. Okay, they've had our season ticket money, but refuse to yeah. go in. And and you know cause some scenes if you like and yeah, you'll get yeah. press attention etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It all fell on deaf ears. I got blacklisted etc etc. Right. And what have you. Mm. And so I, I don't bother with my football club largely because of that. But I'd be no. very interested. I still buy that about Blackpool because I've got a lot of respect and time for the Blackpool yeah. fans that did that because. That's exactly what I said or suggested we should do yeah. at Birmingham City. And if we'd have done that, we'd have got our football club back. But they're still yeah. not sure who owns the football club to this day. Well, and they're still looking I'll, for the owners. Should have boycotted it and, and got your club back. Yeah. Well, I think this line, but when the, um, the synopsis of the book pretty much says it, how not to run a football club is the inside yeah. story of how one family nearly ran a football club to its death. Yeah. And how a community brought it back. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and that is football fans getting together and uh, saying, "Hold on, no, it shouldn't work like this. This is our club, not yours." Yeah. Uh, and they hit back, and well done to them. So uh, yeah, that's so that's coming out. Yeah, uh, next week that comes out. So that's by Nathan Fogg again from the guys at uh, Pitch Publishing. So uh, you just knew it'd be uh, Pitch Publishing. Willing <laughs> to crack a little story there. It could be about yeah. a number of football owners, couldn't it? Because really? <laughs> most yeah, of them haven't got a clue how to run a football club. But yeah. There you go. One way or another. What yeah, else have you club. what else have you got for us? Have you got anything else? Um sorry, there is one other that I forgot to mention that's coming out uh, in March. It's called In Soccer, the in American Culture, uh, the beautiful game struggle for status. 
Um, this is published by an American uh, publisher, uh, and it's coming out in March. So it's um, by a guy called G. Edward White, uh, and it talks about the, um, the first is why the sport of soccer failed to take root in the United States when it spread from England. Uh, and it's basically talks about the considers the early history of association football uh, and uh, how it's um, built up in America. So uh, I'm linking it to the American culture. So it sounds a really interesting read. Is that I mean, during it, the it, NASL days? Is, is that what it centres around? I don't think so. It looks it looks more before. Yeah, yeah. I think it looks more around the pioneer. And from reading the synopsis, it looks okay. There's a link, obviously, to the football as well. But I think it's. It seems to talk about uh, insights about the sociology and economics, etc., uh, and uh, yeah, multiple factors that resulted in the sport of soccer struggling to achieve major status in America. But I'm sure the, uh, that'll be mentioned in there because, of course, that yeah skyrocketed and made, uh, well, as we know, <laughs> rock and roll football, wasn't it, in the when that came about in the 70s, the NASL. Uh, so I'm sure that's mentioned there. So yeah, that looks an interesting read. It's um, been published by an American, um, yeah, company um, publisher. So uh, I've I've seen it on um, uh, Amazon. So uh, uh, I'm sure it'd be if because normally some of these books sometimes if it gets popular, something comes over to England and it's yeah. published by someone over here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can uh, probably pick it up a little. Cause I think it looks on Amazon. I, uh, I hope they're not doing a disservice. They look quite quite expensive. <laughs> So you're probably paying for shipping, etc. as well. So uh, do to be fair, especially yeah. if it's a book. I mean, if you're if it's you're not being published here. No, yeah. if you're, you know, sometimes when when there's a book and it's like with Ken, for instance. Um, yeah. Every book's been sold. There's a number of books that that are like that, and then when someone's yeah. selling a book and it's a bit popular. They yeah. put it up like you go on there, you go on Amazon and watch a thousand pounds. You're having laughing, yeah. A thousand pounds <laughs> that book. But it's because someone's selling it privately and, and they can get yeah, away with yeah. it. But but yeah. yeah, so but then when it gets republished and then it's you have another run of books That's then it. then you haven't uh, got that scenario. So yeah. So yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying there. It's um a sad uh, sad reflection of uh, some parts of humanity and football supporters. Why you would want to sell a book to another football fan for over a thousand pounds is beyond me. But there you go. I know, I know, I know. There's a very famous book, a uh, great book called Tor. It's about German football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you ever went, mm. that's it. Yeah, and if you ever if you ever went onto um, Amazon. Uh, a few months back, you'd be spending a lot to try and get a copy yeah. of that if you've not got one. Mm. But he's actually now, though, yeah. he must have realised this, and uh, he's bringing out a paperback version, yeah, uh, an, an updated version, in, uh, in comes out, I believe it's in May. So mm. that's by Uli Hess. So, uh, um, yeah, obviously a lot cheaper than I think. I remember, I'm sure I saw it somewhere quoted about £200 to buy a copy of it. Now, I love my books, don't get me wrong, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure my love of my wife would be quite as strong after purchasing the book for that kind of price. So, yeah, uh, I know yeah, what you're saying, I mate. Think I, might, I think I might be outdoors quite well, quickly. You, just buy it and don't tell her. Yeah. <laughs> 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 if I wanted something that bad, I would, but I wouldn't tell her. True. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of books I want to give a shout out to. Yeah. That I've yeah. noticed um, uh, either on your uh, pages or yeah. elsewhere. Um, Beyond the Iron Curtain by Jonathan Wilson. 
again, okay. looks quite topical at the moment with that iron yeah. curtain that now seems to be coming back down that was once lifted. And, yeah. a, and a great yeah. football writer to boot. Uh, the smell of yeah. football too, I think we spoke about that uh, last oh, yes. uh, podcast in yeah. episode five. Three goalkeepers and seven goals, I've got that. I'm interested in that because I do a, a series of podcasts, Game of My Life, and this is about a game of Leicester's life. And I'm interested yeah. how they can flesh it out and make a book from... I know, of one game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I bought that. I do buy books for, you know, learning from... And, and not just yeah. learning about the game, but learning and getting experienced. So that's a a, a book that uh, has caught my eye. Uh, Life with the Robins and Beyond, the Jeff Merrick story by Neil Palmer, who was one yeah. of the authors of the week in uh, part four. Um, yeah. A great story about the Ashton Gate, 80, 40 years ago, ripped up the contracts and saved the football club, which you probably wouldn't get today. But we yeah. did back then when, you know, I wouldn't say players cared more because I think that's unfair. Lots of modern day players do. But I think what they'd done was uh, was fantastic. And then a cluster yeah. of people that that said, please, can you give our book a shout out on Book Corner? Uh, yeah. Be my guest, football superstars in Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah Jason, Fair Play Publishing. Yeah. yeah, Jason Goldsmith gave me a tug and says, can you give it a plug? And there was some, I didn't really, Kevin Keegan signed over there in Australia. I mean, yeah. again, they didn't play for that many games, but they they still played over there. I know Supermac, because Malcolm was telling me, uh, pre-season, he used to go and play out there in, uh, I think it was Melbourne. Uh, there was yeah. a side out there that Malcolm played uh, for. And uh, a number of players played over there in, uh, in Australia. And the A-League now seems okay. to be taking shape. Robbie Fowler managed over there and, you know, there's one or two players that have come over here and uh, cut out good careers. So, so yeah, yeah, you've got Georgia Best on the, yeah. you've got Georgia Best on the front of that cover of that book, Absolutely. haven't you, by Jacob Goldsmith. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think Trevor Francis, um, Bobby Moore, a few others, they played down in Australia as well uh, for a short period, I think. Yeah, so uh, be my guest, uh, football superstars in Australia. So uh, check that one out. Uh, Anna Black, This Girl Can Play by Texie Smith. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that book. I am, yeah. I'm familiar with Texie Smith. So he's one of the... um, uh, Texie Smith was one of the first people that ever contacted uh, contacted me when my website first came live. So, uh, yeah, quite interesting, really. uh, He lives in Australia. Uh, he's a big Geordie, uh, Newcastle United fan, uh, and um, yeah, I'm familiar with him. And uh, yeah, uh, he's he's wrote a number of um, fiction books. Uh, a bit like we were talking about Gary Thacker earlier, kind of. If you can get a, a good story, yeah, you know, and uh, get it right. And Texy Smith, I love his love his name as well, Texy Smith. Great name, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I think I've heard the original. I'm sure you'll tell us, but yeah. Um, but he's done a trilogy of books, uh, and I've read um, and I've actually got a review of one of his books on my on my website um, uh, called Gerald Black: uh, The Guilty Party. Uh, and yeah, it's about the life of an Australian journeyman. So he's getting his link, and he tells his kind of life story, and um, you know, in a fictional sense. Um, but yeah, and he's also brought out yeah Anna Black: This Girl Can Play. So, uh, uh, but it is yeah fictional writing. 
you get it right, uh, can be a really good read. And Texi Smith is a, a really good writer. And again, I think that's through um, Fair Play Publishing um, as well. So, yeah, recommended read that one. Fantastic. Uh, the, P- the Peter Barnes authorised biography by da- uh, Dr. Gary James. Now, Gary's yeah, prolific writer. Prolific, isn't he? I remember Lloyd <laughs> yeah. Savannah telling me about Gary. Um, yeah. Fantastic Manchester City books uh, that he's, he's written. So it's the authorised biography. And I mean, what a player. What a player Peter Barnes was. One of, uh, on a wing and a prayer, isn't it? I think that book, the subtitle is, uh, of that one. It may um, well be. Big... I don't. I haven't got that in my library, but I think I should do. I've seen it. Uh, yeah, yeah, great player. Um, the life and death of Andy Durkett, the Durkett Project, by uh, Jonathan ah, Northall. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. The one that he uh, he posted up and said, "Can you give us a shout?" So yes, we just have. Yeah, I love the front cover of that yeah, one. So this is out by Pitch, out by Pitch Publishing as well. That one. So. Uh, an interesting story because again, I love these ones that I, I didn't know about it myself. But he's a, he's a fascinating um, uh, guy uh, and also captivated biography. He's um, famous both in cricketing world and the football world. So he played for Woolwich Arsenal, as it was known then. Um, and then he was sold um, to the most successful club at the time, Aston Villa. Uh, and he captained Villa to the FA Cup in 1920, to their sixth FA Cup. What? Even though, yeah, the sixth FA Cup they won in 1920. So you forget how um, successful Aston Villa were at the start of the century. It was incredible. Villa were one of uh, the but, world great football clubs. Yeah. Under George Ramsey, they won uh, six mm. championships and six FA Cups. That's it, yeah. It's incredible, yeah. isn't it? Incredible yeah. stats. But yeah, so Andy uh, Ducott, um he, uh, yeah, one of those rare people to play uh, both uh, England and cricket. I always think of Ian Botham, because yeah. uh, he did, didn't he? he? I think he played at Northampton, if I remember, in his early Scott career. Paul. Before he came... I was just Scott Paul. Scott Paul, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure where Northampton come from. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, that looks an interesting read. And uh, sadly, I did read that Andy Duca, he died early when he was 56, and he was the only person to have died whilst he was playing, he was playing in a match at Lord's. Uh, at the cricket ground so uh, yeah sounds like an incredibly sad ending but incredibly gifted sportsman so that looks really yeah really interesting book really interesting great cover as well I guess yes, I've got to is. say it yes. I know I keep repeating myself mm-hmm. but it's a great looking cover as well so uh, yeah The Life and Death of Andy Ducat yeah Jonathan Norfolk I yeah, shall really um, I think I shall put him into um, Time Vault and have a look at um, Andy Duke and get the uh, get the book as well. Yeah, it's, I never realised how much he was involved in his life. I really didn't. Yeah. He won a, a he made the Arsenal's greatest fifty players as well. Oh. Uh, but he scored he scored over twenty three thousand first class runs for Surrey. Blimey, Jimmy Drew scored three hundred and fifty seven. That's one hell of a strike rate, that is. Yeah, it? yeah, good nice, no, good job. I said that uh, runs at the end of that man. So yeah, no runs, yeah, in cricket. So uh, I don't think it was that prolific uh, yeah. in football, but uh, no. Anyway, yeah, it was a great story. Fantastic, uh, fascinating, fascinating life. Charles Alcock and the Little Tin Idol by Ian Chester. We've already yeah. given that a mention. Uh, Peter Roberts says, have you ever mentioned Park Life? I said, well, we did, to be fair, on uh, episode five, because I did yes, comment yeah. about Blur made a great record as well. And, that, and, and, <laughs> and you 
spoke about that. It's about non-league, isn't it? Non-league football. Yeah, yeah, really good, uh, really good uh, fun book. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's about the, the team uh, four seasons run the football, it's Sunday league uh, football as well. So it's cracking. I could, I could, I, when I was reading it, it's, you could, because I played Sunday league football as well. You can, you get the, uh, you can sense uh, when you're reading through it some of the characters in it. Uh, and it's funny stories as well, and there's definitely a camaraderie in there. So, uh, yeah, some great stories. Some drinking in the changing room. Uh, I mean, they were, when they won the, uh, it was a cup, but they were giving drinks to have in the changing room afterwards, and uh, there was none of that shaking it up in there. But they were necking it, <laughs> necking the drinks down. They were going to let the waste, etc. So, but no, a lot of great characters. Great little book, really, really nice uh, about grassroots football, which is. Um, as he puts here, actually, I'm looking at it now, he uh, reflects on it, grassroots football, real football, uh, provided with excellent times, brilliant memories and lifelong friends. And uh, isn't that what's important, is it? Football Absolutely. as well. Making you know, friends. Having a drink before the game isn't uncommon. Uh, Ron Saunders used to give the uh, the Villa players a nick of brandy before they went out. Yeah? And, yeah, he, had a, he always had, Ron always <laughs> had a bottle of brandy in the kit bag. <laughs> Have a swig of this before you go out. I mean, the younger players, yeah, I was telling all he was telling me, the younger players, you spit it out, but the older players had a bit of swig of brandy and then went out, it didn't do them any harm, they won the league and then season after won the go. European Cup. Told a great story about Ken McNaught because the doctor, was a very famous doctor that used to look after Villa in the uh, the early 80s, he used to do the boxing down the end of the as well, he was a really, really, you know, um, very prominent doctor. And Ken McNaught had got... Um, got a real bad gash and he had to go and get stitched up by the doctor so right. um, Ken went down there he's gone in the treatment room and the uh, the brandy bottle of brandy has, uh, has come yeah. out and Ken's <laughs> gone to thanks the uh, doc and he said oh no no Ken that ain't for you that's for me he had a swig of brandy <laughs> and then stitched him up <laughs> but yeah football and alcohol is always mixed and uh, yeah, it's a great effects with Aston Villa in the... Uh, I think Leeds United, I think they used to have a drama or two as well. But, um, yeah, yeah you know, and Audi tells some great stories. Uh, particularly the one at Ibury when a player was... Um, he was still half cut from the night before. He couldn't even do his, his laces up. <laughs> <laughs> no names. We'll never mention who, who it was. But uh, that is a true story at Ibury. Stoke City did go on and win the game 1-0 and Alan Hudson scored the winning goal. Well, um, great stories. Yeah, Peter yeah. Whittle. Um, the 1888 letter. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've seen it. I've not read it myself, but I'm familiar yeah. with it. Um, I think that's... Um, yeah, he's wrote a book about uh, before the Premier League, yeah, the history absolutely. of uh, Football League's last decades. Uh, yeah. yeah, before uh, yeah, before the Premier League um, changed, changed the shape of modern football. Obviously, it's brought its good things. The quality of football is incredible. That's obviously... Quality football pictures are incredible nowadays, aren't they? Compared to some of the mud buffs. Um, but yeah, I've, yeah, I've seen that. Um, yeah, it looks an interesting read about uh, yeah, football prior to 1992. So uh, remembering the great decades that we talk about a lot as well. So um, no, yeah, both aware of that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes, so, finally, uh, finally, finally on my side, um, Chris Pulling, um, playing for Keeps. Um, oh yeah, fiction, fiction book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Chris, yeah. can you uh, can you give us a plug? So we have. So, guys, if you want to um, have your book mentioned and give it a plug, 
on Book Corner, Part 7 it will be, next month in April. Uh, yeah, just give us a give us a heads up on either Facebook or Twitter. Oh, yeah, uh, and we will so feel free to contact... There. Yeah, feel free to contact myself as well on Twitter. So, um, yeah, and I'll be happy to give you a plug through our channels as well. So, uh, absolutely. Always there to promote books, as you, as we are, aren't we? Absolutely. As we both said as well. So, there's great stories out there. And to we get them out in the open so more people know. football books. Yeah, absolutely. And reading them as well from time to time, Gabby. Well, yeah, I mean, you do. <laughs> How many have you read this month, by the way? We usually start with... What books have you read? So we'll finish on uh, how many books have you read? Because it has only <laughs> been three weeks, not four weeks, as usual. Yeah. So two books this month have you read? Yeah, yeah, and you did uh, help me out with one I did want to mention, actually, because I've only just started it. But I've only read um, a couple of books, and, I've, and that's included the one I've just started So uh, uh, since we last spoke. So uh, uh, this is the book I've just recently given... Um, Sent to me, uh, the towering tales and a ripping yarn. Mm. Uh, Yorkshire football's greatest, uh, sorry, Yorkshire football's grassroots legends um, by Stephen um, Penny. So uh, uh, it's uh, basically a trip around um, the football fields of Yorkshire during the 2020-21 season. So uh, there's a lot of people out there that love ground hopping, you know, going from ground to ground, and uh, uh, yeah, and there's some wonderful. Grounds and it's a great way to learn about parts of the, the county as well. So, but yeah, he's this is a book uh, he's written, uh, and he links it as well to some famous stories and players um, that we'll know of as well. But I can show you more on our next podcast because, uh, like I said, I literally just started it. But that's uh, Towering Tales and a Ripping Yard. It's available on Amazon, and it's out via Victor Publishing, um, which is a publishing company I'm familiar with as well. We've produced a, a number of excellent books. Groundhoppers yeah. are great, aren't they? Yeah, all they are. I mean, there's some great stories. I remember reading one book that sticks out um, um, where the guy, he was uh, travelling from week to week to see various clubs, but he was, he bumped into a German mm. who loved their ground up and they loved coming over to um, Britain uh, and uh, going around. He'd done 30 games in 30 days. So, uh, 30 grand, sorry, 30 grand in 30 days. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, and, uh, it's just another How people find the time, but know, uh, yeah. it's another thing. <laughs> I managed to do that. Well, I think they find so, the uh, time because I haven't found a bird. I think that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I love it. So, uh, and uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah, it's great. It's not just football in the Premier League and all that, is there? There's great football to be played everywhere. And go and support your local team as well if you can. So, I certainly do. I remember reading yeah. a tweet from uh, a ground hopper um, about a stadium yeah. announcer. If I got a gun, I'd shoot him. <laughs> yeah. I replied to him, thanks very much for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, about it's a great. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I used to do it for Birmingham City Ladies. But, um, oh yeah, yeah. They were they were short a couple of times, so I stepped in and done the uh, stadium announcing. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't go down too well, then. Well, the chairman crying, saying, "Gabby, please don't be yourself. Just you know." Right. Yeah, we can't afford any. <laughs> we can't afford any fines. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's confidence as I'm going up the stairs. But yeah, there you yeah. go. But yeah, ground uppers are uh, fantastic, and it's all football opinions, isn't it? You know, you pay your money, you take your chance, and you have your opinion. I I went to a local game um, not far from me. I've got to tell you this story, Bromsgrove, and uh, 
there was a lady, um, I remember seeing her walking up thinking, she's got this big bag, she's carrying something heavy, and I think, what on earth have you got in your bag? You know, what are you bringing her back to the football anyway? So he must have lots of food in there for half time. And as the game starts, she's pulled out of a bag with uh, like a cowbell, a uh, oh. great big bell, and she, it's what, what it, it rattles, and it's like one of those you get on the top of a church, and she's, she did it for the first 10 minutes. I thought, is she going to... I hope she's not going to do this for 90 minutes because this will just... I could see everyone looking around going, what is... You get some characters, don't you? You get some right nutters, <laughs> to be fair. You, you do. Non-league yeah. non and women's football, you get some right nutcases. Excellent. Right. Anything finally before we close the podcast? It's been an absolute yeah. joy, a pleasure. Love to you and yours. And thank you all for listening. The final word is yours, sir. Yeah, well, I would like to give, I always feel we should give it a mention, because you do mention it, it's Grandad What Football Like in the 1930s by Richard Crooks. It's definitely worth a mention as well. Uh, if, you know, to go back, I, I had the idea, actually, <laughs> we were thinking last time, we should maybe read a, a page on every podcast, and eventually maybe we could combine them all together and somehow... Uh, I'm sure Richard won't mind us doing like a, <laughs> a uh, um, uh, what do you call it, um, an audible version of it. So, uh, but uh, I do feel we should give that a shout out as well because it is a cracking book that one. So uh, I am the worst uh, reader in the world, get, though. I can't get beyond 100 page, 106 or whatever it is. <laughs> 165, I think. Yeah, 165. Yeah, but that's I'm, a great I'm book. Terrible at reading out loud. I mean, if I had <laughs> to actually read a script on any of my podcasts. I just don't think I could be able to do it. I just yeah. talk off the cuff. And then we just <laughs> go on to one thing, on to one thing, bullet points and stuff, and then talk about it. But I couldn't. I actually couldn't read it. In fact, when I do get a book, for instance, yeah. the, um, the Stoke City, we'll finish on this, and I'll go, yeah. uh, the year we nearly won the league charts one of the closest ever top flight <laughs> title battles in English football. It was 1974-75, and with just four games to go, no fewer than ten clubs had a chance of winning. One was Stoke wow. City, filled in the best team that they'd ever had. Now, if you want to listen to me do a talking mm. book, I think you should lie down in a darkened room and find yourself a life. <laughs> <laughs> you could get one of those jobs. Uh, you, 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 uh, uh, I think you, you're probably too old. CBeebies, uh, they do uh, uh, 10 to 7. Uh, they get someone famous in to read a book for the children and they put them to sleep. So uh, uh, maybe you should get on that. From the... <laughs> yeah, they go, yeah, Bab, here's your bottle of milk. Gabby's going to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, that's it. Excellent. Then get on a podcast. Then get on a podcast. Until next time, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've done over two hours, and with the interview with Gary, it's um, almost a three-hour special. But uh, we just love talking books. So happy reading, guys. Happy reading, all. Thank you, all. Take care. Cheers, pal. Till next time. See you later, Andy. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.